strain of men Nothing to me pain The punches that bring pain to other men Welcome to Bad Puns and Machine Guns, the podcast where we watch and discuss every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie one at a time, and maybe the occasional surprise as well. Surprise! I'm Kevin Keane. And I'm Mike Olson. And today we'll be doing McBain, released by Shapiro Glickenhaus Entertainment on September 20th, 1991, starring Christopher Walken, Maria Conchita Alonso, Michael Ironside, Steve James, Jay Patterson, TJ Waits, Victor Argo, Hector Ubery, with... Russell Dennis Baker as Pilot Daly and Chick Venera as Santos. Written and directed by James Glickenhaus. We've been promising surprises for months. Yes. Over and over again, we repeat that line and we finally (laughs) lived up to it. Yeah, and let me tell the listeners, if you love our bad Arnold Schwarzenegger impressions, just wait till you hear our bad Christopher Walken impressions. (laughs) Yes. uh, (laughs) I'm not even going to try. I can't. I'm like the only person in the world who can't do a Christopher Walken. I I may try. It's not going to necessarily be good. But there's a couple of moments that that it's applicable. Of equal quality to our Arnold impressions, for sure. Uh, So, yeah, McBain. I, do you want to explain why we're doing this? I'm yeah, sure any, so, any Simpsons fans out there know exactly what this is. Yes, but, uh, and, and, and for the Simpsons fans that are listening, they'll immediately know. For those that uh, are not Simpsons fans, I had uh, been kind of going back and forth with Kevin on what an occasional surprise should be, and uh, we had a couple of ideas, and ultimately I couldn't get off of from the Simpsons. McBain is a character who is a fictional character in a movie that is... Uh, in different episodes of The Simpsons, just very short, maybe 15, 20 seconds when somebody in The uh, the Simpsons is watching TV. Uh, but he ha- is a very, very large, muscular man and has an Austrian accent. Right. Uh, so it is definitely a placeholder for, for Arnold. The uh, thinnest veil imaginable. A- absolutely. Yeah. Including, there is one where uh, eventually, and it's interesting that the... McBain name for a time the Simpsons couldn't use, and I don't know if there was litigation over it, but they wound up then coming up with a actor name for McBain, and the actor's name was Rainier Wolfcastle, uh, who has an episode of The Simpsons where they <laughs> Bart says that he is a, a great fan of, of the McBain movies, but uh, the last one really sucked. <laughs> to, to which one of the characters said, yeah, magic ticket by ass, McBain. So it it is veiled thinly at best that it is Arnold and his career. But it just so happens, you're you're talking about the litigation, the reason being, there just so happened coincidentally to be this Christopher Walken movie that was made around the same time that uh, they invented the McBain character in The Simpsons. So there's the McBain from The Simpsons, and then there's this movie, which is unrelated, but when you suggested this, I, 100% credit goes to you. Because when you suggested this, I just went like, well, that's br- brilliant. We have to do this now. <laughs> or just, even though this has nothing to do with Ar- it, It's like five degrees removed from Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's, not, it's, not it's that it has five nothing. degrees, but I was very excited to see Michael Ironside, who is in Total Recall. And then what I did not, I was very excited because I did not uh, look up the IMDb on this, other than I knew that Christopher Walken was in it, uh, because I was also the one who had to track down a copy of McBain, which is not readily available anywhere. No, not at all. Um, it was a bit of uh, an odyssey, but I did get a copy. But then seeing the connection to The Running Man with uh, Maria... That's true. Uh, Alonzo, I was excited that I could at least claim that there are two connections 
to co-stars in uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Those movies are very telling as far as Maria Conchita Alonso is in Total or, uh, is in uh, The Running Man. Yes. And uh, and Michael Ironside is in Total Recall. Both of them very like schlocky B movies in a fun way and this McBain is like the schlockiest of the schlock schlock. It's I this this movie is like a you know what it reminded me of? It's like an early 80s like Canon Films action movie, like like a Chuck Norris movie, like that, like that's missing good, an action or whatever. Not is, is that what it was called? Or yeah, no, that that that's a good way to put it. Except instead of uh, being made in like 1983, starring Chuck Norris, it's 1991, starring Christopher Walken for some reason. Why is Christopher Walken is the strangest casting for this movie? I didn't. Fi- I mean, it was hard to find anything on this movie. I don't know if there was some connection between you know James Glickenhaus and Christopher Walken. No clue. I'm glad that it exists and that we're we watched it and are going to do it on this podcast, but it doesn't make any sense why it got why it got made at, at the time it got made and the casting doesn't really make much sense. Yeah, it feels like it's like eight years too late. Like this is the kind of it, it's so far beyond the period where these kinds of movies were getting made. And I'd never thought I'd say this, but Christopher Walken in this movie is so like like I never thought I'd say see the day where I would rather have Chuck Norris. <laughs> Starring in a movie than Christopher Walken. But, like, even Chuck Norris has more charisma than Christopher Walken in this movie. He is just, like, he's just going through the motions. like, you know, what are my lines? Where are my marks? Okay, here we go. Yep. He does not care at all. There, There's a few in particular where I, I had something similar to that. Where is my mark? Oh, let me step on it. Oh, I'm going to go back. There's a scene near the end. Uh, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll go through the movie, but... Uh, I'm just going to jump to this part at the end where they're storming the the, the palace, or whatever. Yeah. You know, you know the shot I'm talking about. Where he's, I, the machine gun, <laughs> the whole thing. And he, there's a part where he throws a grenade over yes. his head, and it's just the whole thing is just like half rehearsal pace. He's just yes. he's literally just walking, he, like he's out for a stroll, and he's shooting this gun. Oh my god! And he, the one I was thinking of, it's in the same sequence, but he's behind a wall. He pops out, fires a few oh, rounds, yes, goes I mean, back. It's it's the mark, like you said. Pops out again, fires a few rounds, and that's it. I just laugh. It's like, man, talk about going through the motions. You, you, I don't know. James Glickenhaus made a lot of very B movies in his day, and like this, it's funny. I just was just reading about him for totally unrelated reasons about a month ago because he he directed. Uh, I have it. I have it somewhere in my notes, and now I don't remember what the name of it was. But Jackie Chan's first American movie, okay, way way before Rush Hour, yeah. And even like Rumble in the Bronx is not a American movie, but it was the movie that kind of it was it got a wide release in America. It was still a Hong Kong movie, but James Glickenhaus in I think 1985. Oh wow, there is. Oh, the, the the Protector I think it's called. Okay, and it's a cop movie starring Jackie Chan. And it was supposed to be his like big like entry into the American, and, and apparently it was a huge like Jackie Chan quit and like they basically had to threaten to sue him to make him come back, and it was a huge disaster. And wow, nobody got got along. I saw an interview. Because yeah, for whatever reason, I've I've been getting back into Jackie Chan movies, like the Hong Kong Jackie Chan movies recently. And I saw an interview with James Glickenhaus going like, ah, Jackie Chan, he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to make a good action movie. He wouldn't know good action if it hit him in the face. I'm going like, Jackie Chan is one of the biggest stars in the world. You're James Glickenhaus. <laughs> so anyway, just coincidentally, I happened to be reading an interview with this guy. He said it seems like a real piece of work. And like this this movie is very typical of what he does. Well, you know, I guess now hearing that, uh, very, very interesting. The last last full episode that we did was The Terminator with James Cameron. Uh, com- completely different Jameses uh, in terms of... Knowing, knowing what uh, what quality looks like. Apparently, I, I guess James Lickenhouse thought he was James Cameron. I think he does. I think he. I, I get that sense. It's hard to say, but uh, 
I just wonder if there were those conversations happening between the director and Christopher Walken. Like, was the was James Glickenhouse going like, Chris, you gotta pick up the pace. You gotta like really like you know, run from here to there. Like, and Christopher Walken's just like, this is as fast as I go. You know, <laughs> this is Walken's. I'm walking. That's it. Right. <laughs> Literally, Christopher I'm Walken, walking. more like sleepwalking. Yeah, exactly. I apologize for that. So. There had to be some puns, right? I was about to do a Christopher Walken impression, and I stopped myself. You'll eventually get there. Christopher Walken. There it is. More like sleep walking. <laughs> That's the best I can do. Thank you. Okay. So should we... Uh, let's, yeah, so let's dive in. Uh, it is March 29th, 1973. The film opens. <laughs> yep. Uh, what I have here is... In, and I know this is more of uh, your coverage area, but... The first thing I have is the music. What I had it as is the opening music is like a romantic drama when there's a breakup. <laughs> yeah, it is. I didn't think about it in those terms, but you're, it, it absolutely is. It, all the music in this movie is completely inappropriate for, for yes. what, whatever scene it's in. Like every, It almost feels like every scene, like every piece of music got placed in the wrong spot. It's like, no, that's, it was that like, music it was, is supposed to go for the romantic scene. No, that's it's like everything got shifted one spot to the right. It was like it was on shuffle, and it just, whatever came up in, in the random shuffle, that's right. what we're putting in. Yeah, we got to get this movie out. Absolutely. Yeah, I, the music in this movie is atrocious. It's, <laughs> that might be generous. It's by far, I mean. It's the worst part. Well, there are a lot of bad parts. Right, like, but but I would say it's the worst part of the movie. It's really bad. I mean, it's obviously this movie is so low budget. They just had to get what they could, but we, you know, we were talking about the Terminator, and I, I think that score is inconsistent, but it, it, you know, occasionally brilliant, and this score doesn't have any occasion, occasional spots of brilliance, and there's some, there's some songs in this movie too, which are very poorly uh, chosen. We'll get to that. We'll get yes. to that song. Oh my god! So yeah, we're starting in, in uh, Vietnam. Yes, and <laughs> the, our army is coming to tell our heroes that the war is over. Yes. I don't know if this is how the news gets I, it, spread. I mean, I, I, I don't know enough to, to, to discredit the writer, Mr. Glickenhaus, but it doesn't seem like you would just send commanding officers out to go tell random soldiers that the war is over. I mean, it's not the Civil War. They have radios. They don't have to send a tank out to be Right. Like, you know, they, I, guess, I guess that would be too much like the opening to stay hungry in terms of like a, a Civil War overtone to open it up. <laughs> right. Uh, it's just crazy. They send us tank just just to tell these five guys, like, "Hey, you yeah. can go home now. You can go home now." It feels like the end of like a school field trip. Like, come <laughs> on, you guys, come back to the bus. Yeah, stop goofing off. So then they walk. They they go to a helicopter. So yeah. this tank. They didn't even. Why is this tank there? I, I, that's just like it's a friendly neighborhood, you know, messenger via tank is is what I took it as. <laughs> yeah, but on their way back to the to base, they spot. Uh, they a, spot what they what they think is a, a POW camp. A POW camp that looks like Thunderdome. Uh, thank you. You stole it before I could get there. So you got to jump on these. I'm going to keep th- it. Thunderdome that's built out of wood. Yes. I, I deliberately let you speak and you didn't say Thunderdome. And so I said Thunderdome. Fair enough. You got to jump you, on them when you got a chance. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's, it's, it's exactly Thunderdome. It's just a ripoff. I mean, yeah. It's not even, it's, it's, it's not veiled at all. Literally two guys fighting in a dome with guys hanging on the side of a cheering. Right. Like, if they may as well just said two men enter, one man leave. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's what was in like the notes on the script. That's what they were saying in Vietnamese. Yeah, yeah they just didn't understand. They just didn't translate it. Yeah, and also it's not the same guy as the villain from from Bloodsport, but look, uh, looks look, pretty much exactly like that guy. Yes, that he's fighting in there. So yeah, so you've got um, the the choppers above. They they spot um, this POW camp and they uh, they make the decision 
they could just go home or uh, go go down, and they decide they're going to go down and try and uh, save who, who, what, how many of our American soldiers might be down there. Uh, well, they 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 land first and then they do some recon, right? Because doesn't someone come back and say, like, "Oh, there's ten POWs and thirty yeah, guys or whatever." But at first, when they're in the air, they just you know they're they're American heroes. They're going to land, but yes, they come back and I have it down that there's twenty five VC, okay. and there are ten POWs, okay. Which is actually you know if they can get the drop on them, it's not yeah, unreasonable. It, but it's, when you consider the war is over, over. <laughs> like, wouldn't it be easier to just do a prisoner exchange? Like, are they breaking a treaty? Like, aren't they in violation of of some kind of a ceasefire? Probably, but as they said, because there is an RPG that's fired at the chopper that's true. on their way, and and they do say the line, "Well, you know, he didn't he didn't get the message." I, well, if it's because the friendly neighborhood tank, the VC didn't have, I guess, the tank going around telling their guys, "Hey, guys, the war is over." Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm not a, a expert on the Vietnam War, but I do know that like fighting continued even after yeah. it. So it's it's believable, it's plausible. But it's just plausible. that they're deliberately going to uh, put themselves in harm's way. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so, yes, it's 25 and 10, and what I have is one of those 10 is McBain. That's really the important part to know. Christopher Walken appears. Christopher Walken. Uh, None of these guys, like none of the Army guys and Christopher Walken, none of them get a close-up because they're afraid to show that they look exactly the same. When you, you know, we see this entire action scene up front of them rescuing the POWs, and you barely get to look at their faces. And so later when you see them again, it's like you have no idea that they're the same guys because they're, like, they're all just obscure. I think the only guy you really see is uh, uh, the, the black team member. I don't know if, you, if you're a big fan of uh, uh, I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker. I know it, but I, I don't know it well enough. He's Kung Fu Joe. Okay. You remember Kung Fu Joe? Yes. Okay. I, I saw him. I was like, is that Kung Fu Joe? <laughs> I had to look it up. It's like, oh, yes, it's Kung Fu Joe. I was pretty excited about that. So, but yeah, he's the only one you really get to, to like, see his face. The rest of them, you never even, you can't even tell who it is. Like, they nope. don't establish these guys at all. But they're going to rescue our 10 POWs. Uh, yes, yeah, single-handedly. Uh, one of the things is I, I, I don't have, and, and should have had Michael Ironside's character's name, but what you get the beginning of here is he re- he really likes leaving bombs behind. That's kind of uh, his his thing that he does in in a couple of different scenes. Does he do that here? Yeah, he does it here as well. I don't even remember that. Yep. Boy, I may have I think I glanced away for a second. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of uh, carnage here. They they sneak up. There's a little bit of a sneaking up, and then they just open fire. And yeah, so the the very beginning, yeah, they go stealth. They get a few. I I did my best. I will tell you that it was very very difficult to keep plausible numbers, but I did my best. Um, in their kind of siege here, you uh, get 14, 17, 20. You get 21, um, including the last one being um, uh, the the blood sport. Uh, yes, he's still alive at the end. He's and, still uh, alive at the end after uh, walking gets uh, gets a good beating in on him. And he's the last to go. But the, the other thing I had is whoever was the commanding officer of the Viet Cong... Everything about that actor was just comically bad, including the knife to the gut. I yeah. mean, just everything was just bad. I loved that, though. I loved uh, Christopher Walken throwing the knife because like, you could almost see the wire. The I mean, knife yeah, it was sort of like we had the same thing that you could almost see it. I think it's an eraser, the wire from um, uh, when Kruger throws it at James Kahn. It's the same thing here. You, you can you can pretty much see the wire. Uh, this is the point where I'm just going to admit I was not doing a, a body count in this one. I just gave I gave up very quickly. Like I just I, there's so much, especially later uh, in the Columbia scenes. It's just like forget it. There's no way I, I can keep up with this. Luckily, IMDb has a number. Oh, so, I, I'm, I'm glad somebody has it. We'll see if it's anywhere close to uh, the 
the anecdotal count that yeah, I yeah. Let's had. let's save it and then we'll see what whether you're. I mean, I don't I don't necessarily trust who, whoever was doing the count on IMDb. I'm sure they had the same problem. Yeah, that you and I had of just like there's way too much. There'll just be a shot of like you know way in the background people are dying. Like how could he even count? But so the the only other thing that uh, that that I had from this after the rescue. Well, there's I guess there's two, but the uh, I, I did have. Instead of blood sport, what I have down here is that it's uh, he—he's a street fighter, um, like Ken or Ryu, but he's wearing Con—he's wearing Chuck Taylor Converse. I don't know if you noticed that or not. Who was wearing Converse? The 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 blood your the blood sport guy. <laughs> the the Converse. I mean, it was it was fantastic. I did not notice that at all. Yeah, if you if you ever wind up going back and watch it, watch it and and check for it. So what I had is I'm like, yeah, he would have blended right in. This is around the same time that the Street Fighter games would have been developed. I'm like, they should have had this character weave right in. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they're supposed to be communists. You'd think he'd get like shot for that. Exactly. This uh, you know Western you know capitalist shoe. You uh, should wear the the people's shoe. So when McBain is saved, the key thing is that uh, Santos yes. uh, gives him, he tears up a $100 bill and gives McBain half and says basically that you owe me one. And if this ever call, is called in, you got to pay me back. Here's, b- before you can get to yours, my question is, there were nine other POWs there. Yeah. Why is McBain the only one that has to pay him back? Well, like Santos... Individually saved McBain's individual life, so I guess that's the idea. But it's, I agree, it's ridiculous. It's, it's preposterous if you ask me. That's a heavy price that only McBain has to pay. I guess like McBain's the big deal because he's the one that the, the he Viet Cong is, threw in the in the Thunderdome. And he's like, he must be he must be a big shot. Like yes, throwing him in the cage. I guess you're right. Santos is playing the odds right that if I want to have somebody in my debt, I don't want any of these you know scrubs. I want the one who is in the Thunderdome. Yeah. Here's my thing about this whole dollar, this whole bill. It should be the reverse. I mean, I get, like, McBain isn't going to have cash on him. He's a POW. But, like, the whole thing of Santos basically going to him and say, like, hey, you're welcome. I saved your life. Here's a, I'm just going to call in a favor whenever I get to. You don't get a say in the matter. Take this half a dollar bill. This isn't an agreement. This is, I'm, I'm just, I'm making it It's so. an imposition. Exactly. Like, McBain, I mean, I guess he kind of nods or something, but, like. Santos just takes it upon himself and be like, here, this is half a dollar, $100 bill. He did put him on the spot, and it's like, what could McBain really say, right? Could he really refuse? Yeah, but it's the kind of thing that made me, we're supposed to really like Santos. Like, his death in a minute uh, is going to, like, galvanize all these guys to go to war, and it's like... You're immediately you're just imposing this life debt, this Wookiee life debt on, on McBain. <laughs> Wookiee life debt. But it's you know, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it should have been the reverse. McBain needed to be the guy again saying, like, you saved my life. Yeah. I, Anytime you need anything, I am volunteering. But no, he doesn't no. volunteer at all. No, he just takes the, takes the other half of the $100 bill. This whole, the premise of this entire movie is just on, a, like, this the, a foundation of sand. Like, that, that right there just immediately sets s- the stage. Put me off on the wrong foot. Anyway, but then, yeah, you fade to black, and then you fade back up, and it looks like we're still in Vietnam. Yes. <laughs> but we're not. We're now in Colombia. <laughs> we may be in the same filming location, yeah. but now it's 1991, Colombia. So, yeah. The, so, this movie was filmed mostly in the Philippines, except for a few, sh- a few scenes in New York. So, so, the Philippines is doubling for both Vietnam and Colombia. <laughs> and it looks exactly... I mean, you, you fade to black, and you're, you, you see the, all the army guys in Vietnam... Fade back up. It's eighteen years later, but there's still guys walking through the exact same jungle carrying guns. It's right. like, are we still in Vietnam? Like, it doesn't even feel like you've. Not only is it a different location, but it's you know you've you've time traveled and you've 
you're supposed to have traveled to a completely different continent, but it does not feel like it. Yeah, and all the extras just they look like they you know that they're all Filipino. <laughs> they're, they're, the idea they're supposed to be Colombians. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. I mean, obviously Vietnam you can kind of buy, but come on, <laughs> filming for the Philippines and using Filipino extras and, and trying to pass it off as Colombia. The whole movie is basically from this point forward in quote unquote Colombia. Yes, like nothing looks like. I mean, I've never been to Colombia, but no, come on, movie. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So yeah, so this is we're seeing uh, Santos's village. Sister. Yes, his village, uh, and then eventually you get him uh, with his sister. Um, yes, Maria Conchita Alonso again. Yep, now with a haircut. Yes, looks looks different, but uh, yeah, I think she looks good in this movie. I, yeah. I think in in uh, in. Uh, what the hell is the, the Running Man? The Running Man, I yes. keep wanting to say Total Recall. I don't know why nope. my brain is not... Fun- my brain can't distinguish between those two movies today. Uh, in The Running Man, they kind of you know, like sexed her up a little bit. But like, you know, she's just kind of a village... Yeah, you know. she looks like she's probably with revolutionaries. Yeah. Uh, what you get in, in this is uh, Santos is, is noted a revolutionary in Colombia. And uh, he effectively in this scene, he for any movie movie fan, he signed his death warrant... By outlining in exposition that if anything should happen to him, find Bobby McBain. Yeah, it's a good thing that he's telling her now. I, mean, yes. I guess he knows he's maybe going to his death. But I like his line where he goes, "Our time has come." <laughs> Super dramatic. Like yes. it's it's, the, it's he's really like hamming it up. Uh, yeah, and then right to the his his scheme. Yeah, I mean they they're they're on a, a breakneck pace. Yeah, so so he's. Pretending, first of all, this movie is set in Colombia, and they're name dropping. It's it's deliberate, uh, specifically in Medellin, right? Their village is in Medellin. Is that Uh, what it says? I don't. If if it did say that, I missed it. But they they certainly do reference Pablo Escobar, right? And they specifically name Pablo Escobar. It's crazy that this movie is just happy to say like, yeah, the Colombian government's in bed with Pablo Escobar. Like, it's. I feel like movies are so. Reluctant to do stuff like that now, like oh, today, yeah, absolutely. The, despite the fact that the, there may be a a lot of truth to it, that that's some of the difficulty I think action movies have today is they don't they don't know who to make the villain, right? Um, because it either might hurt a foreign market or they they don't they don't want the publicity from those you know foreign leaders being upset but it's not is there's not even like any nuance to this at all it's not no. like you know you look at you compare it to like something like clear and present danger where it's like oh well the, the, the government is you know is is not like in bed with them but they're also not doing right they're looking the other it's, way it, they're looking the other way it's complicit but yeah. they're not actively and in some involved. ways in some ways powerless like they're complicit in their powerlessness more so than like any kind of deliberate thing you know which i don't know what the truth would have been around this time you know but <laughs> this movie is just the 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 president of Colombia is just like Escobar. I love him. You know, right. it's crazy. Like you know, portraying a real country's president. Uh, yeah, it would never happen today. No, but anyway, yeah, Santos' scheme is to send in a limo full of uh, prostitutes. Uh, yes, and why it it was like a a clown car because they somehow got. <laughs> I, I was calling them the Trojan horrors. Oh man. <laughs> 
You're just filling this up with puns. That's fantastic. I like the Trojan whores. I was pretty proud of myself. That you should be proud of yourself on that one. I I just had that it was it was it was a revolutionary clown car because they managed to get four revolutionaries in the trunk, yeah. one drive in the limo, and the two passengers, which were uh, posing as as prostitutes. I thought it was three, but yeah, there was definitely a lot of people in that. that it was a limo, but even still, they crammed a lot of people into a, a stretch limo. Yep. And it goes out pretty much without a hitch. Yep, there's two more to add to the body count um, on on their way to uh, get to El Presidente's office. And then Santos busts into the president's office, El Presidente's office, and suddenly the girls pop up from underneath his desk. And I didn't make the connection. Like, were they down there? Did he sneak more people, more of these girls in, like ahead of time? Like. The fact that these girls are just popping up, like four girls pop up from underneath his desk. For whatever reason, they come up the hatch. El Presidente is addressing the public via television in English, mind you. So we're in a location of the Philippines posing as Colombia. And then you have the president of Colombia addressing the public in English, which it's just lazy, lazy filmmaking. But so they're coming up through this hatch and inexplicably... They grab him in the crotch and hold a knife to his crotch. Oh, and, that's right. And then they just come up. And then they just come up because yeah. then Santos bursts through. I'm like, I have no idea what the point the knife to the crotch was, but okay. Uh, and then, so yes, Santos bursts through the door and they, uh, they, they take El Presidente hostage. They seize the country with like seven, however many yes. people you can fit in a limo. That's how many of them fit in the, uh, the, the Trojan whores or the, uh, the revolutionary clown car? Yeah, and so then cut to a Miami Vice episode already in progress. I oh, lo- yeah. I, lo- they- I love those guys in that speedboat. Okay, well, I- I- thank you. So what I had is the Secret Service is on Nightboat to keep with the Simpsons. <laughs> Nightboat is better, yeah. I-, I mean, I'm like, why is the Secret Service on this giant? And you're right. It was like a boat out of Miami Vice, and maybe it was just left over because it is 1990-whatever, and they're like, oh, man, we can easily rent this boat from Miami Vice really cheap. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. so it's the Secret Service trying to find the president who's off fishing. I, and maybe I have way too many notes probably on the Secret Service, but I, there's just so much I had. I had what's great if you go back and watch it, the Secret Service guys, one is wearing like a Tommy Bahama shirt, which yeah. I love that. It's like, how did that unprofessional guy, why, why is he allowed? But then the other Secret Service guys are your stock, they're wearing the suits, dark sunglasses. But that boat is flying. Yeah, those is. ties do not move. I don't know if they were stapled down or what, but those ties were not moving. Yeah, they're really moving. One guy looks kind of terrified. I don't know if it was, <laughs> I forget. It's one of those guys in the back. So they find the president. I love the president's reaction where he's like, did any of you guys do this? Are you guys behind this? Like, everyone's like, no, we don't know. So, so Santos has seized Colombia and he expects help from the U.S. And the president was kind of like, we're not going to help. Like, what is, why does he think that we're going to help? Right. So, yeah, quickly in, be, in, in between, which didn't make sense, is you cut back to Columbia, and there's just a random scene of some, you know, some kid, not even kids, just normal citizens throwing a rock at a tank, and then there's gunfire that comes back. But then you're cutting back to the president, and... Um, he he actually the line is I wrote it down is you guys are effing with the wrong president. Oh, that's right. And then all I had is where's Jack Ryan right now? It seems like he should be in on this meeting, and Jack Ryan is nowhere to be found. I forgot to uh, I was going to suggest this to you off, off the air, but uh, it's something that occurred to me uh, editing the last episode. But when we're censoring ourselves, because obviously the line you're effing with the wrong president, I, I'm going to propose from this point forward, or at least I, it's something I, I'm going to try to do. When I'm censoring myself, I'm going to censor myself in a way that television 
So they're they're oh, they're, Mr. they're falcon with the wrong president. Mr. Okay, Mr. Falcon, that's fine. <laughs> it's just something that they're I, falcon I, with the wrong president. I, 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 that's fair. I'm going to start that uh, that tradition going forward, for at least for myself. Feel free to join in or not. Um, I I'm going to take you up on that. <laughs> and so yeah, and then then effectively I had you had the same thing as they come to the conclusion the conclusion. No, we didn't have anything to do with this. And the camera actually pans around in a in a total. I think it's a 360 all the way around the room as he's talking to him. I don't know if you realize this or not and right. I, I started to get reminded of like movies today really go overboard with the the 360 oh, pan around the real christopher nolan move exactly yeah uh, but then the president has coffee and he watches tv that that that's effectively i did notice that he watched he watches these people like in columbia being mur- killed like yes with the interest of someone just watching right you know the, the recent most recent facts of life episode or yes or whatever would have been cur- you know current tv in 1991 yeah, maybe i guess 91. family matters or uh, full house a full maybe. house yeah it's very topical <laughs> but, yeah. uh, and then so yes we, you cut back to kind of live what's going in uh, going on in Colombia and El Presidente is going to call Santos's bluff by having some hostages surrounded by tanks and the tanks just slowly move toward the hostages <laughs> it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in a movie I think it's so dumb it doesn't make why couldn't they just duck down they can just duck at no point are these people going to be crushed they're tanks you can they it's one of the defining de- de- characteristics of a tank is you can duck underneath them between the treads. All they have to do is lie down. They're, they're not going to be crushed by these tanks. Well, those in I mean, I can't say for all tanks, but those in particular, there's there's no way that, that they, they would. <laughs> right, just but, lie, lie on the ground. But uh, uh, Santos falls faster than Superman on laundry day. He, he just he can't, <laughs> he can't allow it to happen. Oh, it's his plan. Like, did he not expect this? At the very least, if he's willing to do this, he should just kill, the, just assa- just make it an assassination. Like, right. I mean, basically, it's the crazy thing about this movie, uh, and I'm going to spoil the ending here, but uh, this whole thing just happens over again. Like, Santos seizes the country, but he refuses to kill the president. They threaten to kill a handful of people. Yeah, he folds. He, he folds. And, and the president shoots him in the head on uh, live TV. So, but then the rest of this movie is all about them trying it again. Except this time they kill the president and everything's okay. Like, just, it, it's so weird that like, basically, if we're to if if we are to understand what the ending of this movie is telling us, if Santos had killed the Colombian president, they would have they would have won. Everyone, the entire military would have just laid down Folded their arms. Up. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Santos. So as uh, as you noted, Santos is added to the body count. El, El Presidente. Santos gives him El Presidente his pistol. Yeah, he gives which, him the pistol. So he's he's gunned down with his his own pistol, uh, and McBain is watching uh, watching TV as well, uh, and and sees what happens. And I I I found it hard to believe that he he would need his memory jog. It seemed like Walken was having his memory jogged. Like, oh man, let me look through my wallet see. Seems like I have something from this guy. Yeah. You're talking about literally your life being saved at Thunderdome in Vietnam. I mean, I wouldn't need to find the hundred dollar bill. I would know exactly who that was and what that meant, and exactly where that hundred dollar bill was. Yeah, I mean, it's been eighteen years. He has to, you know, it's, uh, other things have gotten put in, on top of it in his wallet. You know, maybe he changed wallets a few times. And- I would have liked to have seen what else was in it. You couldn't really get a good grasp. It looked like there were some pictures and some. I didn't. I'd like to know what else was in McBain's wallet. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, so he's 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 got his half of the hundred dollar bill still. This, this is the point where you realize it's a hundred dollar bill. Because like, I think the first time you don't really no, see you couldn't it. see it. <laughs> I, I, I'm re- watching this scene going, it was a hundred dollars. Yeah, a hundred dollars in 1973 was a lot more than a hundred dollars even today, which is still a lot. Of yeah, money. all that matters is the sim- the symbolism of it. Don't right tear a dollar bill. It's fine. Like you don't need to tear a hundred dollar. Well, bill. maybe it was just putting how magnanimous Santos really was. Well, it's like how how long how far does that stretch in Colombia is really what it comes down to. Like he could have he could have had a hundred soldiers instead of just like ten. I don't know. So you then um, have um, Santos's sister needs to 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 cash in the uh, the chip, and uh, man, that's another clear and present. I got a lot of clear and present danger references in here now that I think about it. Oh, you know, Colombia. It, it is appropriate. She's, so well, she, uh, it's not really a chip in the big game. Chip in the big. Game now. It's a very small game. She, she, well, she gathers up all the like. It, it, I guess the implication is she gathers up all the wealth of the village to pay for her trip to New York. Yes, and it's it's not a lot of wealth. Yeah, and this is this is this. this here's where the song is. I was talking about earlier. Thank you. So that, that what I is, I just have traveling music is very strange for Christina. Yeah, let's just. I mean, it's play a little bit of it. It's the least you could not pick more inappropriate music. It's like. It's like some weird, like, I guess it's supposed to be like a revolutionary anthem or something. But yeah, but it doesn't feel that way. So she's on a the, bur- ly- the lyrics, I think you're right. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be this, like, travel montage. Or- yeah, she's making her journey, getting further from, uh, from the village. She's on a burrow, and now she's in some town. Spe- spending her way. See, I, I missed the... It's funny, though, that you don't see any shots of her getting onto a boat. Nope. It's implied, yes. I guess, because she didn't walk to New York. Here we go. This is my song for freedom. It's bad. It's like a child wrote it. We are the power. We are the people. It's so terrible. It is really, really bad. This is my song for the revolution. And even the montage, actually, now watching it for the third time, it it, it really doesn't accomplish much. I mean... No, it, all you have to do is cut to her in New York. Like, yeah, I was going to say, you cut to her in New York, you put a title card in New York, and you get this... It, there was no value in there. I agree. Unnecessary. So, uh, you get to her in New York, which uh, she, she shows up at a at a construction site. Yeah. And uh, I, just randomly, I, I guess if she, maybe there aren't a lot of McBain's in New York City. I have no idea. And so she asked for uh, Bobby McBain, and they're like, oh, yeah, he, he's up there. Not just any construction site. It's the, on the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, the and Bro- she's just some person wanders up, like, yeah, is Bobby McBain here? Yeah, he's up there. Go climb up the cable. I was just going to say, and she walks up the cables like it's just walking up some stairs. Right, like it's nothing. Yeah, go... Hey, hey, innocent person, like who could easily fall off and die, and we would be liable. Go climb up this cable. Yes, you don't wait for him to come down. No, it's like you know, he's got to like all, all she does is go up and say, "Are you Bobby McBain?" Here's you know, does she show him the bill or the half a bill? Or does... she does, and I, I just like there, there should be no point. She really shouldn't have. And to. I presumably they just come back down. Like, why didn't she just like wait or just wait. like like, hey, could you tell him to come down? I guess it was too urgent, and she had to deliver the message in person. They wanted the dramatic shot on top yes. of the Brooklyn Bridge, really. Was That's the only, I mean, it's the same thing. There's a shot a little bit later where it's just so, well, I, I'll wait, but just forcing down 
freedom and liberty of having them fish out oh, <laughs> the yes. Statue of Liberty. It's the same thing, right? I mean, they wanted the Brooklyn Bridge, so we'll, hey, we'll just have her walk up the cables of the Brooklyn Bridge. No problem. You think you're allowed to fish, like, 100 yards from the Statue of Liberty? I, sh- I should have looked it up. I, I, I can't imagine, but I don't, I don't want to say that for 100% because you don't know. Yeah. But it was just so over the top of having the Statue of Liberty in the background. I feel like, I mean, certainly now I doubt you could. Cause they, You're they, right. But uh, even at the time, it seems pretty strange. I mean, well, I guess they they, were, they let them film 100 yards from the Statue yeah. of Liberty, so maybe. So uh, they, they do make it down safely from the top of the Brooklyn Bridge. And they, they go to, I guess it's a coffee shop or diner or whatever. And basically, Christina talks about the decline of Columbia. And McBain talks about... Woodstock. <laughs> yeah, drawing drawing the craziest parallel. The parallel is just... Because she's going like, oh, the, the, the government gives children coca and they their eyes glaze over and he goes, we were just a bunch of idiots sitting in the rain or whatever he says. Yes. I don't think those are the same things. I don't either. Uh, but whatever. I mean, I, I, I don't know if this movie is trying to have some kind of political statement, but if it is, it's inept. Uh, it, it's not effective. And the Woodstock analogy, I, I maybe I should have written down the entire thing, but ultimately uh, the, the the majority of it was is that uh, McBain thinks that a uh, a writer at the time who wrote an article about Woodstock just didn't get it. Yeah. But now years later, McBain is reflecting, and well, maybe he did. And then shortly thereafter, McBain motions for the check, which is actually one of my favorite parts because uh, I didn't know why it mattered, but just walking. Check. I missed Made the, me laugh. I missed that. Uh, well, then he also asks, like, well, how much does this revolution, how much money does this revolution have? And she just dumps her money out. He goes, and then he goes, is there a quarter in there? And he takes a quarter of hers to make a phone call. It's like, <laughs> she has almost no money. You're going to take make the call on your own quarter. <laughs> I actually missed that. Thank you. He deliberately says, do you have a quarter in there? And he takes her quarter and, and calls his buddy. McBain and Watt, very nonchalant and everything, including finances. Yeah. This is the part, uh, I don't know if you have anything more on that diner scene. but Nope, that was it. From here, like basically like this sequence of reintroducing all these guys is kind of what I was saying earlier where you're, you have no idea who these people are. You don't know that these are the same guys from, from Vietnam. And so for the next, I don't know, five minutes, I was just watching going like, what is happening? Who are these people? It just keeps cutting to random people doing random things. <laughs> So I've, I've got my notes may not be perfect, but it's something like from here he, he puts a quarter in the phone, he dials a number, then cut to the Westatron shareholders meeting. It, I like I actually like the, the concept. It's poorly executed, but I for some reason I like the Westatron shareholder meeting. Yeah, well, it's uh, it it looks like like the RoboCop uh, company or whatever. oh yeah o- OCP. Yeah, it, 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 to me it was a combination of two things. It was an OCP, and it was also. The contentious shareholder meeting between Gordon Gecko and Teldar Paper. Right. Uh, it, it was those two things combined, and yeah. that's probably why I loved it. Is because at one point Wall Street, you're out of line, Gecko. That was what I was waiting for the CEO of Westatron to say. But no one tried, went up and tried to punch Gordon <laughs> Gecko. <laughs> the Gecko, right? Exactly. They, they're really Gecko should have taken it. On, he should have just walked up and jacked the CEO in the face, and it would have been mission accomplished. Because that's what happens here. They're like, you use this private jet for your family, and this company loses right. money. So this is going to justify me to come up and punch you in the face, <laughs> committing assault at a public shareholders <laughs> right. meeting. Oh, it's it's, but it's. It's one of the more fun scenes oh. in this movie because it's 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 over the top in a way that's fun as opposed to a lot of this movie which is kind of dull and drab. But yeah, I love, I love these guys just going just, just screaming at the CEOs as bored. 
Yeah, and I'm not sure if they were trying to play for this to be a comedic, you know, part and over the top. Because, as you said, most of this is not. It's trying to be serious and failing badly. <laughs> yep. So if they if they were trying to be comical with it, then it succeeded. But if not, then it was a complete accident, and it's fine because I I think it was one of my favorite parts. Yeah, and also I have a note here saying NBA buzzer to dismiss people's questions. <laughs> <laughs> I almost made you do a spit take. You you did, and you're absolutely right because he's trying to cut the people off at their one minute. <laughs> he's got a button. <laughs> it would have been maybe even better if it would have been like the horn that they use in hockey when there's a goal. <laughs> right. And then that's that Blackhawk song that plays. Exactly. Da, 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 whatever that song's called. <laughs> Every time they're trying to cut off somebody on the microphone. Um. Yeah. So, so anyway, from that scene, we cut to. An emergency room, yes. Like, uh, surgery, and again, I'm just sitting there going, like, who are these people? What's going on? No, there's no continuity, and and the and the Westertron scene doesn't play itself completely out. It's only the the first part is just a contentious shareholders. Right. Then, then you, you go to the operating room. So you're right. It's like, <laughs> what in the hell is going on? And there's a guy out in the hallway, a, a cop, and he's like, his partner's in there being operated on, and they're like, he's like, is he okay? And they're while he's asking, is my partner okay? They're wheeling out his partner's organs for donation. Like, no, he didn't make it. Like, yeah, the most callous thing. Yes, completely insensitive callous. Yes. Yeah, and then, then I think you cut back to the shareholders meeting, and the guy gets punched. Yes, that's when it goes back, punch in the face. And then cut back to the, the surgery again, where there's someone else, maybe? Or I'm not even sure if it's a, like, a flashback, where there's someone else. It's like, he's not dead yet. And one of the nurses or one of the order... Or, well, I don't know what they would be called. Like no, the surgeons. What are the nurses in the operating room? And she's just like, ah, you, we, we could use the organs. Right, they're gone already. We can use the parts. Let's just call it. Yeah, and he's just like, okay. It is, I mean, it is probably a hospital that is multiple lawsuits waiting to happen and definitely the worst bedside manner of all time, probably in any hospital. But so little is made of this. It's like, you know. Oh, it's total throwaway. Yeah, like you'd think this would be a thing that weighs in this, this character. Because, you know. Uh, the surgeon we learn later is one of our guys from Vietnam, who, yeah. and we're going to follow him throughout this movie. And you'd think this would be one of, like something that is essential to his character. Is like I'm sick of just you know being this surgeon and not being able to do any good because there's so many pressure to these org- <laughs> harvest these organs. Or I don't even know what they, you could do. Like, <laughs> there's, there's, <laughs> why have this scene if it's not going to be something that's like a part like, that informs his character? It's just, I like, no, you know what though? I think I think we've just come up with an idea for a sequel that. The team needs to get back together, and McBain needs to get to the bottom. That maybe Westatron owns this hospital, and they're focused so much on harvesting organs that, that they just hire the worst surgeons. That's I think we're onto something for a sequel. That McBain needs to get even for all of the lost bodies. And there's there's so, such a demand for organs. It's like we need. You know what's a good source of organs? Columbia. Let's cause as much chaos of just bodies galore, and yes. then we'll. We'll have, and we're we're going to have uh, as much supply as we can to meet the demand for these organs that the Westatron Corporation needs to harvest. Yeah, this, this surgeon, just purely based on his his uh, callousness, is not meeting his targets. We need to send him out to act, actively kill people. Right. We we need more product. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So anyway, what what, what happens? So this, this is such a jumble of stuff. I don't even know. So what ultimately, happens. yeah, you go through that the the cop is also one of the, the heroes and served in Vietnam and still stays in touch with the surgeon. Oh, right, so and they go for a walk along. Like, the they shore. go for a walk walk along, and um, you you then get um, that McBain doesn't bring the entire group. He only brings one of the guys and um, Christina out to 
find Michael Ironside. Yeah, this whole like McBain reuniting with these guys happens entirely off screen. Like that's a scene that needs to be in this movie. Yes. All this stuff about surgery and board meetings, like that doesn't need to be there. Her traveling to New York doesn't need to be there. McBain reconnecting with these guys absolutely needs to be in the movie. How do they skip over that? Yeah, and the thing I had too is that you know I understand they saved him, but it's I didn't understand why McBain would have been the leader and and one oh. was the glue that brought it together. Like those four guys, completely like Santos would have completely made sense. Absolutely, McBain should be an outsider. I it just none of it made sense. You're right. The reuniting definitely is a scene that has to be in there. Is not in there. And it's easy to cut a few other scenes that don't need to be in there to to make that scene happen. It, it's a it, yeah, none, none none of it lines up because you kind of get okay. McBain has this debt to Santos because Santos saved his life, uh, but the, and then those guys have a debt to Santos because they he was their buddy. I right, guess. that completely yes. But no, those guys don't have any link to McBain any, really. They met once. Yes, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's just a matter of convenience. But yeah, I agree that he shouldn't be leading this crew. Like no. he, he should just be like, hey, you guys, we need to get revenge on Santos. Yeah, if anything, what probably makes sense is Ironside's character seems like he should be the one who would be most likely be the leader of this. I guess, but then, yeah, this is the next scene where they go to his house, right? And he, Yes. I have that Agatha Christie answers the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now that you mention it. I, I don't know, know if you noticed. It just seemed I mean, she's a snooty British old woman, which doesn't make any sense why a, a arms trafficker has her answering the door. Good help's hard to find. I'm sure if she's a very good, uh, you know, house servant or whatever. Like, you know. but what you get is yes, that um, they're they're going to go find their not their financing. They're going to to cut an arms deal. But they also want him to come along, right? Is, it, is, I think is that all want, it is? is they yeah, no, to... I think they want him to come along, but they also know that if they're, if they're going to get supplies, he, he as an arms trader is going to be uh, the most likely. Yeah. What, I'll let you cover it, but Watkins' presentation or his lines on how Iron, Ironside's character has all this, this money and ultimately oh. getting to that he's an, an arms dealer. Oh, yeah, he like presents it in, in like measurement of body weight of Washington, D.C.? It, it's, it's the most absurd, so I'll, I'll do it because I have it. He says, if you took the weight of everyone in Washington, D.C. and turned it into gold, <laughs> it would be greater than the entire drug trade throughout the world. Multiply that times four, and you have the arms trade. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking and I'm I'm envisioning the, like a whiteboard right now where they're drawing up this <laughs> I equation. I mean, yeah, just the the, the, the like that's like three different steps. The weight of the entire population of Washington D.C. I don't know why it's Washington D.C. either. Again, is this like political undertones? Yeah, don't know, but it's yeah. the entire weight of Washington D.C. in gold transferred. Yes, into gold, which. If it's weight, does it... I mean, I guess it's because it's value. Yes. So, okay, so it's weight, and we're getting it into troy ounces of gold, whatever gold was, was worth at that point. Right. Is greater than... <laughs> greater than. Right. Not specific enough to... Oh, no, it is... Let, no, actually, I'm sorry. I have the equation wrong. If you took the entire weight of everybody in Washington, D.C., turned it into gold, got a value, that's less than the drug trade. So I have that wrong. If you're writing this equation down on your whiteboard at home... Right. If you took everybody in D.C., turned them into gold, it would be less than the drug, annual drug trade throughout the world. But you'd need to take that and multiply that by four, and you get arms trade. Basically, it's the, just the most meaningless sentence. Like, <laughs> it's just so many. If you took all of the blue whales in the world and changed them into platinum, 
Yes. <laughs> you, you divide by the, the size of the movie industry. Now, if that's ratio, it's, yeah, you, you just extend The it only as thing far that would have made it better is if it was like a fake element and he said like adamantium. That would be the only thing that would make it more nonsensical if it was something that literally was just nonsensical and made up yeah. fiction. Unobtainium. Yeah. <laughs> Unobtainium. That, that, that's a great element, too. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, all we need to know is this guy's very rich. Yes. That's all he had to say was he's a very wealthy arms dealer. Arms dealer, right? I mean, ultimately what he's trying to get at is he's an arms dealer, right? Yeah. That he's got money and he has connections to arms and that's all that really matters. And uh, played by Michael Ironside. I didn't get this character's name. I, I didn't either and I, I was terrible with all of them. But this movie's my, terrible. They don't, they don't refer to each other by name very often except for McBain. Yes. McBain, we know, we know his Which name. is the most important one because that's the reason why we're doing this podcast. Yeah, that's true. But Ironside is uh, an actor who um, I, I didn't realize it until I wanted to pull up just to see if there were any other connections other than Total Recall. That guy works a oh, yeah. ton. Yeah, I does. mean, he might outperform Michael Caine in terms of just constantly being working. Yeah. And deservedly so. I mean, he he was in a lot of. Uh, I mean, he's been in a lot of good stuff. He's been in a lot of terrible stuff. Well, yeah, this, inevitably, just sheer numbers. You're going to have to be in some terrible stuff if you're constantly working. But even in the the the, the bad stuff, I don't think I've ever seen him. He's not the problem. Yeah, I, I love Michael Ironside. He's great. You know, Jester from Jester right. all the way to Total Recall to Starship Troopers, and I mean, he's he's incredible. Michael Michael Ironside. One of the, I mean, I don't know if he's that unsung anymore. I think a lot of people are fans of his. Weirdly, I think now because he's done a lot of voiceover work for like video games and things, and he's the voice of Sam Fisher, uh, Splinter Cell games. So, so he might be more more famous today than he than he was in his acting career. He's definitely a b- beloved in like the video game world, and I think maybe because of that, he's a little more well known than he used to be. But for a long time, I think he was very unsung. Uh, and yeah, I agree. He's he's great. Even in this, this movie is not good. No, he's he's one of the best parts, without a doubt. So they try and get him to come along. He uh, he's willing to cut them a deal of uh, on the arms, ten million dollars for old times' sake. But what here's here's the question that I had is, you know, they couldn't convince him. Can you can you explain this to me? There were ten POWs. Where are the other guys? Yeah. Why can't McBain bring those guys in? You'd think. They didn't exchange information, <laughs> and they didn't have dollar. They didn't have hundred dollar bill halves come, so they they didn't get any pieces. So they have no obligation. You know, well, that's, you know now that you mentioned it, it's now, since Santos is already the one volunteering McBain, he should have split that bill up ten ways. And exactly, said, and all you guys, favors, right? All you guys owe me personally your lives. Me, not, Santos, not the rest of this team that helped. But you know what? Thinking about that, he could have done himself probably a lot of good if he just had. Ten ten dollar bills. He could he could have just went and give each one of them half yeah, the ten. Exactly. Oh, and you know what? I noticed uh, he was handing out money to the villagers before they were taken off for the helicopter. So now that I'm thinking about it, maybe he was doing that to those villagers too. Here's half a bill. You owe me your life. You owe me your life. If I ever need help, you need to save me. He does this to everyone he's he meets. He- right. He's hedging his bets, and he hopes one of them is an action hero. That's why all those guys were were crammed into that trunk. He, they all had like half of dollar bills. <laughs> That's how he got his revolutionaries together. All right, all right. I he, guess Santos he, said we owe him our lives. He, I he had a us, chip in the game, and he cashed it in for me. <laughs> he gave us this half a bill. We have to do what he says. So after uh, it's determined, <clears throat> they got the dollar amount, $10 million. This is where, as I alluded to earlier, they're just... <laughs> Fishing by the Statue of Christina and McBain yeah. are fishing by the Statue of Liberty, and she gives a very patriotic speech about uh, why America is so great and why 
Colombia needs to be better and they're going to fight for Colombia or whatever she says. And, and that they can do it because if the Berlin Wall can come down in two weeks. Right. I was, I, I, for some reason, it just came into my hall. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down. I was waiting for a little Ronnie Reagan to be in the background of this scene. Well, it's, it, she, I think, and she like, doesn't, doesn't she like stand up halfway through the yes. speech and in front of the, you're expecting America the Beautiful to come piping in. Like a boat to just go by with a band, like a marching band. A marching America. band or there's like banners flying with fireworks <laughs> Like coming out of the the uh, the plane that's flying with the the banner. Yeah, it's such an over the top speech. And, and and yeah, the comparison to the Berlin Wall. It's like again, that's a very different situation. Like, this movie is drawing comparisons every place it can in the complete wrong ways. Whether whether it's Woodstock to Columbia drug cartel, <laughs> or whether it's you know the drug. <laughs> <laughs> weapons trafficking in the weight of Washington D.C. This movie loves making the most oblique comparisons it can. The, these actually would be great comparisons to put in, like the the SAT, to really, really confuse the really, really smart students. Like, wait a minute, I I can't come up with an answer to this. This doesn't make any sense. How can you possibly have the Vietnam War is to Woodstock? I, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty short scene where she just. She convinces McBain that uh, he, I mean, he's already on board, right? I yeah, don't even know I, why they need the scene. I, I don't know why you need the scene in pitching. I, I guess it's, uh, I, again, I, I think the whole point is is that they wanted the Statue of Liberty in a scene, and they right. wanted her to get out on a soapbox, basically. But it should have been before they went to yes. Michael Ironside. Like, she's, she's made her sale. She doesn't need to keep selling. Like, and it, does, it seems like he has this debt, so it wouldn't matter anyway, but... So they have the buy-in, and now you just cut to another scene. I have no idea where this cabin is supposed to be. Can you rent a cabin out on, like, Ellis Island near the Statue of Liberty? Because McBain and the rest of the, the team, other than Ironside, are just there. It looks like they've been getting hammered. Yeah. Fishing. Well, you find out they, were getting, they had a drinking contest going on the night before. You yes. Know, they talk about it. Uh, but it's like, where is this cabin? Well, I, I, I just figured it's one of those guys, they own a cabin on, on the river, or, you know, on the shore, whatever, wherever that's supposed to be. I, I guess. It, it, I could not make the connection of where it was physically located within New York City, but whatever. Yeah, but they all, this is where they all decide, like, yeah, we're in. We're going we're gonna to do it for, we are, for yes, Santos. For Santos, we are in. So Kung Fu Joe and his WrestleMania hat are in. <laughs> You I love got it. me on the WrestleMania hat. Gotta jump on the stuff. I, I love that WrestleMania hat. I kind of I was like, oh, I want that hat. Even though I, <laughs> I don't even watch wrestling anymore. If there was one prop that you know I have is is uh, Kevin knows, but you know not necessarily people listening know. I have a number of props uh, from different movies and TV shows in my house. Yes. If there's one thing I identified, I agree with you. If there's one thing to have from this movie uh, that you see, there's one thing later that I will get to that if it existed and I could see it in this movie, I would want. But that WrestleMania hat. I want that hat. Yeah, that doesn't meet my criteria. You know my, you know my criteria. Again, I'm not the collector that you are. You're much, you know, you, yeah, you collect you have way more movie memorabilia than I do, which is basically I have zero. But uh, I feel like if you can't immediately identify it from the movie, like that could be any WrestleMania hat. So I don't know if I'd I, I understand. But I'd I'd like to think on this one that it would be easy for me to uh, get the certificate of authenticity because it would probably be the same guy that was selling it to me and say, yeah, I, I kept this WrestleMania hat because I liked it too. Uh, so we uh, we cut to them executing their first attempt to get the money needed. The worst plan imaginable. Totally nonsensical plan. What I had is that apparently this is 1991. 
And apparently uh, Rudy Giuliani had not cleaned up this particular block of New York City. Because th- this reminded me, I mean, in like the 1970s, New York City, it, I mean, New York has gone through a renaissance. And, and in particular, it really started somewhere, I think, in the, in the 80s and then in the 90s really picked up. And particularly today, New York is, is significantly different than what it was, New York was in the 1970s. This block like represented what New York was like in the 1970s. Well, and this is supposed to be 1991. Especially Manhattan. Like, I don't know if this is Manhattan or if it's It's not supposed to be Manhattan, but a, a number of, uh, of the boroughs have trans- significantly transformed oh, sure. in, in the last couple of decades. But even by the 90s, Things had significantly changed in New York City. Well, it's, again, it's, it's this movie that feels out of time. Like it yes. feels like it's, this should be. It's, it's again, it's like a canon uh, films action movie. It's like the the Death Wish uh, movies. Yes, uh, well, Charles Bronson. Yeah, exactly. Those those were canon films. Canon films for those who don't know, they were they were like independent company who made a lot of action, low budget action movies in the eighties. They made all those Death Wish sequels. They made all those Chuck Norris movies. Yep. So th- this movie feels so much like that because, yeah, it's, it, that's it, like Death Wish. It's exactly what it feels like. So uh, their their plan is is they're gonna rob rob a drug dealer, but a, a drug not not, <laughs> not a kingpin, just, a drug dealer, and not just any drug dealer. No, it and so I I did not want to ruin this because I had watched this first before you had to get a chance to do it. That I was so and I had no idea from the credits. No, me neither. I was blown away and so excited. I don't know how you felt. So yeah, Luis Guzman. Yes, plays this. Uh, this he's 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 a middle level. He's running this crew of whatever drug dealers. It's like this flop house or like an abandoned building or something. Burnt out, bombed out building where they're they're using a fishing line and a bucket to, to send right. the money up to Luis Guzman's character. I also like the moment when uh, walking in the crew or they're going to the building to 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 basically like attack and they just start shooting. Yes, <laughs> uh, but there's a car coming by and it almost hits them. I guarantee you that was not planned. I don't know if you remember. I missed that. I'm gonna. Have, I'll, I'll go back and watch that part again. They're walking I'm, across the street, and a car comes. And oh, when they're carrying the big bag, right? Yeah, exactly. When they're far away from the building, yes, two I do of them remember. keep going, and then uh, Christopher Walken and someone else stops, and the guys are like, "You morons!" And I, I, I'm positive it's a real person. Yeah, just the, the, driving through the scene. Like, I, I'll bet these guys didn't have enough money to like block off streets. Block or, off, no, I can't imagine that they did. Or maybe even get permanent. They may have just been stealing these shots. So you know. Uh, that made me as soon as I saw that I went like that's a real person that's not that's a real person and that was not intended because Christopher Walken like reacts he's just like oh, oh oh my god like he almost gets hit by a car right anyway uh, uh, yeah so back to Luis Guzman's I like the speech that Luis Guzman gives to I, I do too I so uh, look Luis Guzman is a great character actor and this is obviously well before th- this reminded me although he has a speaking role of like Benicio del Toro in um, not the Living Daylights. Uh, License to Kill. Uh, it's a uh, the second Timothy Dalton Bond movie where it was way way before you know he he became a huge star. Yeah, the, like Luis Guzman, he has a lot of lines in this, but I was totally blown away, and he is by f- one of my favorite character actors, and you know, it, in one of the best ensemble casts ever put together in Boogie Nights is is one of my my favorite Luis Guzman movies. Yeah, he's great, and he's great in this. In yeah. a very small part, and he, he he's really really good in this movie. He might be the best. He might give the best performance in this movie. I think he does. And his character, what what I have is that he is a very reasonable drug dealer. He, I, this is the only moment of nuance in this entire movie. It makes me almost wonder if Luis Guzman came in and said, "Like, look, let me just say this. Let me just yeah. Let uh, me let me. This is what I think this should be." Because we were comparing to Death Wish, this whole movie kind of feels very. Uh, 
unthinking or, or, or like there's just no new no nuance to the, the no. point of view of this movie. It's where blunt at best. These guys come in just shooting. Right. They don't know who's in there. There could be children in there for all they know. They're just shooting through doors. They don't know. And they bust through this thing and they're like, you you scum, like you deserve to die. And Luis well, Guzman's the one saying like, hey, you, you jerks, like what, what's wrong with you? We're like, you know, obviously we're breaking the law, but he doesn't give you the right to come in and just murder us. Like, right, you know. he doesn't give you the, the uh, authorization to come in and murder us. And we're, yeah, we're selling a, pro- we're not forcing anybody to buy our product, right? People are, are coming to us. Yeah, he's saying like, you don't, you don't see any eight-year-old kids here, like, you know. Exactly. And, and, and he also basically outlines, I, I, I'm barely, I'm scraping by, right? I'm right. just a mid, I'm a middle manager. It's a very human, humanizing kind of speech that he gives. And I, I, I really love the moment where uh, Christopher Walken's like, because he's wearing a jacket, like an army jacket. Yep. He goes, where'd you get that jacket? And he goes, the same place you got it, A.O. Ma- no, it's Master Falconer, actually. I, I oh, haven't yeah. written it <laughs> Mr. Falcon. Yes. Uh, yeah. Some place you got it, Mr. Falcon. And, uh, which is a great moment, because it's like, oh, this guy was in Vietnam. Right. But how does he know that McBain was in Vietnam? Uh, you're Okay, <laughs> the line is great, but... You're right. It doesn't make sense how he knows that McBain was in because there is there's not wearing his army jacket. They're not wearing anything that would be indicative of them being, uh, you know, having served and, and being soldiers. Yeah. So Luis Guzman only has this one scene, and I don't know, maybe six lines of dialogue. It's not yeah. much, but he makes an impact. He's he's great. Like, I, 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 I think so it happy would be to fair to say he's probably he's definitely the biggest surprise, the best surprise, and might be the best thing in the movie. No, a hundred percent. And. As noted, he's done so much stuff, you know, since this, um, and probably even before. But I had no idea it was in his filmography. I didn't look that far down because it would have been pretty far down in terms of the the, um, the 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 credits on IMDb. Totally shocked, and it was it was. I won't say it was worth buying it just for that, but it definitely shows. The promise that Luis Guzman had, because this is a really not well thought out movie, and he is by far and away the, the, the best best part out. Of the it. best written character. It's, it's, it's really a sad thing when your best your best written and best performed character is this one scene guy, who is just, and really all, his only plot purpose is to point them in the direction of John Gambotti or whatever it was. <laughs> Which is so fantastic. He's like, he's so, like, that John Gambotti, he's the guy who's got all the money. Why don't you go after him? They look at each other like, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> Why didn't they try and recruit him? He seems to be the brains of the operation. You know what? That, that would have been great. Why not? I, I can tell you this. I would have loved some more Luis Guzman in this movie. Uh-huh, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, just from a story point of view, it might actually have been good. Like, hey, I'll help you guys. Like, exactly. I don't like John Gambotti either. So, yeah. So he, he points them in a... Uh, the direction of somebody who actually has some not, some money. Well, here's my question because I was saying like they're they're perfectly happy to drop uh, Pablo Escobar's name, but John Gotti they're afraid of. Yes, that, John Gambotti. That was just going <laughs> way too far. I think he was in prison by this time, wasn't he, Gotti? Or uh, Ooh, ninety ninety one. I, I don't know when this was. Uh, I mean, it, still, it seems pr- like it. I would have to look it up though. I mean, he's in prison. He can still get to you. Like, yes, I, you probably don't want to piss off John Gotti, but. You know, if you're gonna, and Escobar was still free in like in Colombia. I'm mean, granted Colombia is farther away, but they're, uh, they're Escobar, fine. John Gotti, they they want to change that name to protect the innocent. So, so I don't know if you also recognize it, but the the hat that McBain picks up and puts on. Oh yeah, he just grabs someone's hand. Yeah. yeah, but it's like it's like a Panama Jack hat. I mean, it just does not make sense with anything else that he's wearing 
or fit in with like the WrestleMania. I just made me laugh. I liked that though. I thought he looked, he looks good in this hat. I think it's a, it's a, it's appropriate for his character somehow. I was for his character in particular. I think for Christopher Walken, like if it was Arnold, if it was you know the Simpsons McBain, that hat would have looked completely ridiculous. Yeah, and I, I liked it, especially when once they get down to Colombia, and it's like yeah, Panama hat in Colombia. I mean, granted, not the same country, but you know yes. it's enough of in the bar, ballpark. So they their uh, <laughs> their plan is to to kidnap. John Gambotti. This and I don't. I, I'm going to let you take this, but th- this entire thing is just laughably bad. It is, but I really loved that dumb accent that uh, that Christopher Walken was doing. Because at least it's the only time in this movie where he makes a choice, like an acting choice. And the rest of this movie, he's just he's just he's just saying the lines. Walken. Yeah, but he does this accent. I don't know if it's supposed to be English. Like they're posing as Israeli, like. Okay, Hitmen so, or whatever, but he's not doing an Israeli accent. No, so to, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But to set it up, they've got it, you know, outside some steakhouse and John Gambotti's coming out. I had down that, you know, this, that Michael Mann must have stolen the idea from them for, for heat. Oh, and heat, yeah. For, for where you get, it's not a garbage truck that they use. They use a, a, a semi to, to, to knock over the, the armored car. So effectively, McBain and company stole a garbage truck and ran. The uh, the bodyguards' cars, and then a follow up, you know, getaway car comes and and picks up um, John Gambotti and yeah. the rest of the crew. What's great is I don't know if you noticed or not. They put they put the mobster in the they're kidnapping him and they put him in the front seat. Couldn't he just like try and reach over and grab the wheel and try and you know like stop the kidnapping? I didn't notice at all. They put, they him, put him, in him in the front seat. The front seat. <laughs> That's funny. I did not notice that. Yeah, and there's also the scene in Heat where they're looking down, like all the, the crooks are coming out of the restaurant and they're all like eyeballing them, like, oh, who's the who's the loner? That's very similar to them. These guys coming out of the restaurant. Oh yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. So Michael Mann stole two things. You're right. When they're doing the surveillance, right. and they and they ultimately they're pairing off Ashley Judd and, and Val Kilmer. But yeah, De Niro comes out by himself. You're right. Who's the loner? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and I, so then you've already got to they they stole from uh, or another movie stole from this. Yes, I don't think they're supposed to be hitmen. I think they're supposed to be Mossad. Um, uh, Mossad, right? But, which I'm like. Do do they realize that there's one member of this team that clearly does would not fit in as an Israeli? <laughs> yeah, but I don't know enough about how, the Mossad recruitment and how far afield they go. You you think so? I I found this to to make no sense. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, yes, I mean, it definitely stretches plausibility for sure. Completely stretches it, and then yes, that accent. I, I don't know what he was going for, but again, I I don't see that it's Mossad. The idea also that uh, it's this easy to extort and uh, th- threaten this mob boss. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess he didn't have a choice. They didn't leave him a choice. But uh, yeah, so, so so to set it up, uh, oh, right. they, so the, yeah. they have him on a skyscraper. I don't know if it's duct taped or whatever to a chair. And they're just letting him hang there. So I'm almost tempted to play this scene. Play the, may play as well. The, play the clip because his accent, it goes a long way to... Uh, and one thing I was remiss while you're pulling up the clip, uh, in Luis Guzman, they, uh, the, there's another seven when they're, they're storming, not looking if there's women, children, or whatever in their way, which actually there is a woman. There was, a, I think, a prostitute in that scene who's screaming. Oh, that's right, yeah. Somehow they managed not to kill her in their uh, gusto, but there's another seven that are added to the body count. Okay, so here's his, yeah. So they've got him up on a crane 50 stories up. Four of them are just, he's, he's blindfolded. It's church bells are fifty stories up. It sounds like it's right Jesus next to Jesus Christ. 
Who the hell are you guys? Do you know who the f I am? We know who you are. We know who your wife and kids are. I know who your girlfriend is. I even know where your grandchildren live. Your grandchildren. <laughs> I don't understand what accent this is supposed to be. Anywhere you go, someone will find you. You sound like my boss. Screw your boss. I'm the top. Nobody is more powerful than I am. Compared to the people I work with, you're not much. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you're not much. I, I don't know what he's doing. That's, there's a taste. I don't want. Let's not play the whole scene because it's probably it's it's it's. A he, little... he is wearing the hat, which. Uh, he, he stole from Luis Guzman. And the mirrored sunglasses, which I forgot about. And a I've, leather jacket and then just a gray t-shirt. Yes, and he looks, it looks like he got at Walmart. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they extort him. They extort John Gumbody. I don't even know. Like Once they let him down, what right. do they say? They're, just, they're gonna go after his family or whatever? Yes, and that he also says that his uh, brother-in-law is screwing him. And <laughs> Right. Oh, everyone's brother-in-law is screwing yeah, him. Yeah, but yeah, some, somehow that made it that uh, it was plausible because John Gambotti believed that and they didn't know how uh, he could bluff that way. But McBain, everybody's brother-in-law is screwing them. <laughs> but all that matters is that now they have this money and they use it to uh, pay Michael Ironside get some uh, weapons. Yes. And then just a quick line of dialogue where it's like, oh, he flies his drugs out of Jamaica and suddenly they're t- they're destroying a Jamaican airfield. They're just storming the Storming it and airfield. they're stealing one of Pablo's planes and that's another four to the body count. It's at, I have it at 35 right now. Uh, yeah, and then also cut back to somehow Christina, Santos' uh, sister, has very quickly made it back to Colombia and is going like, we're going to take the... The plan is they're going to... They're gonna, Sees some some airfield, airfield in Colombia, and then McBain and his crew are going to st- take a plane from Jamaica, fly it to Colombia, and land there. There is some truth. Having recently watched Narcos uh, on Netflix, uh, which is a dramatization but re- real life representation. You know, there's some things that I think dramatic liberties are taken. Pablo Escobar did have you know planes land, uh, but it, it was not. As my recollection is is not in Jamaica, so I'm not sure why they they picked that. But they did have kind of refueling stops along the way of where where they would ultimately land. But it wasn't Jamaica. Well, it's like I I would have to think they can afford to rent a plane or something with that money. Like this whole scene of them, they have to seize this Jamaican airport just to take off. Like just just get clearance at a normal airport and take off. What do you need? Why do they need this why extra action sequence? Yeah, and so. Uh, Ironside's character, I have that he has a computer and now he wants, come on guys, let me, can I tag along? He, right. He's like the kid who, who now wants to be able to join in the game. That's true. He's very sheepish. He's like, can I come too? He's, exactly. <laughs> I did like that. It's funny because the first time he appears at, at his mansion, I fully expected him to be one of the bad guys. Yeah. I mean, he's, 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 he's kind of sinister. He's sinister and like he refuses to come along. He, he'll only help... Basically, if they'll pay him $10 million, which he, he never goes back on. Like, he, yes, he's, he'll help, but he's still profiting from it. So it's not like he's a good guy. I, I fully expected him to be like, them to get outbid by the Colombian government and be like, hey, Michael Lawrence, like, come work for us and we can get your weapons. And I, I don't disagree. I thought the same thing that at, at best he was playing both sides and he probably would, for the right price, sell, sell them out, even whether it was their location or whatever. And that, <laughs> That's not how it turns out. I guess this is something about Michael Ironside that even in his heroic roles, we're you're suspicious. For, exactly. Yeah, you're suspicious of him. Uh, but yeah, finally they're on to Columbia. They're, they've got there's some unfunny plane hijinks where he's uh, going over the the manual and yes, it's got, been a long time. And it's the surgeon who must have been a pilot back in Vietnam. Right. That's kind of glossed over, but he he 
he must have been a pilot. He must have been the pilot flying that helicopter. Yeah, that right? helicopter. That's the thing. Yeah. We never see any of their faces at the oh. beginning, so we, we have to infer all these things. So many things. Uh, uh, so what I have is that, uh, so you get this, this sequence up in the air. The, the plane is successful, and I've got that, uh, a nod to Jester that we need a Top Gun sequence in this movie. Oh, well, before we get to that, there's the sequence where Christina and her, uh, her troops are they attack this airfield. Advancing on the airfield. Try to save it. Yep. This is the point where I stopped trying to even try, uh, count the body count because it's just, I don't know, maybe three minutes straight of just people shooting and you know, dozens of people each shot dying and explosions. And ju- it's just like a churn of just this back and maelstrom forth. of guns. And, you know, it's not a fun action sequence. It's just like, no, you know. You can't tell who's winning or who's losing. It's just people shooting each other. Pretty much. And and you're right. It's about three minutes of that. I did my best, and I had to go through, and basically I hit pause, hit pause again, let it advance to try and see, all right, now how many people are like twisting around right now <laughs> right. or falling towards the ground? I mean, that was the only way I could do it. You, you made it much farther than me. You're a better man than me because I, I immediately was just like, it's a futile. There's, there's, there's no way. It, 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 it's an outrageous number. Um, so I've got... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this out loud for everybody because I had to do it in tick marks. That's the only way to do it. I got two, four, six, seven, ten, <laughs> eleven. Because I tried to break it down, you know, to like each cut back and forth. So 11, 15, 17, 18. Then I got one that was just seven. So that must have been a really, really big sequence. Uh, so 25, another 5, 30, 33, 34. Uh, another one, 35, then I got a 9, so that's 44. <laughs> I will never complain again about having to do the body count being like... <laughs> 44, 46. <laughs> I got 47 in kind of the, 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 the first, because you're going to cut back to this airfield, the first sequence before you get to, as I said, Jester and, and the kind of Top Gun sequence, yeah. if you will. I guess they intercut back and forth while while the the Campaneros are right. taking the airfield and the, they're flying to Columbia. So I but, had forty seven from kind of that sequence again. I can't say it's scientific. I did my best. That's was, one scene, and it's more than pretty much every movie we've done so far, yes. except for like one. And preceding that, the the count was at thirty five. So we're at eighty two <laughs> right now. And yeah, we're not even halfway through. Or, you know, yeah, so barely halfway through. Bar- barely halfway through the movie, and this thing is going to shatter and destroy. The only thing that might come close is Commando, and I'm actually not sure. I think this may wind up having been larger than Commando when we well, finally do Commando. This is an unofficial. This is not an Arnold yeah. movie, so it's not going to. It may not count. It's it's yeah. It's it's not in competition. It's there. It's what, what's when they when you go to Cannes and you're not in competition. It's just you're just there. Whatever, yeah, like, whatever they call that. That's what this movie is. Um. But yeah, so they're also they're flying and they need some cover and yes, yeah, this is the Top Gun you're, you're alluding to. Red Dog Two is gonna come and Red Dog Two Pilot Daly who was in the uh, the opening credits. So there, <laughs> yep. somehow there's a military. I don't. I still don't. I couldn't figure out how for a illegal arms deal there is a military escort. But okay. The, okay. So there's there are two more clips I want to play and they're both relatively close together and then that'll that'll be that unless you have anything else. But uh, yeah, this this Colombian Air Force jet flies up next to them. And they're pretending that their radio's out. They're like, oh, they're just kind of like shrugging at the guy. And you know, you know what? What I'm gonna, sh- I want to please play? go on. <laughs> okay, because I love this. So here's this jets flying alongside. Engine Charlie seven zero four. This is Colombian Air Force one zero two. Turn to heading two six two. Proceed to and land at airfield for search. You can tell these planes are just on the ground. Yep. And they're filming. They're just shaking. Yeah. So pilots, going, ah, my radio's not working. Charlie 704, put the plane down. Do you read me? 
windshields two windshields a helmet so what i had you you got to it exactly so i stopped my tally at that point for a specific reason when we got to 82 because i have another tick mark which is i have a tick mark parenthetical mcbain takes down a plane with a pistol but what's even better you it's not a pun but this is the closest thing you're going to get to like a mcbain line from the simpsons you know mcbain movie we read you loud and clear. I just, I absolutely love how bad the line is and how absurd it is. He just shot a pilot in a fighter jet yep. with doing, a pistol. Doing One presumably shot. hundreds of miles an hour. Yes. This, this scene is perfectly absurd. Like, if only yes. the rest of this movie had been like this. Cause I, I was going to say, this is another one of those that it, it's fun. Like, it's, oh yeah, th- this, if it was more of this, I would have had a lot more fun. And the pilot going like... You know, turn to heading so and so and prepare to gar. <laughs> his his like death sound as he's shot in the head through two panes of wind, windshield and his helmet. It's unbelievable. The pistol. It's like a what? desert eagle or something. Yes. Like the greatest sharpshooter in the world couldn't hit that shot. All right. So two more jets show up, Colombian Air Force. Yes. And they need help, and they call Red Dog. Who's like 400 miles away or whatever, but I actually did the math and I was like, okay, you, I get, uh, these kind of jets, I get, I get Col- cover 400 miles pretty quick. Close the distance. Yeah, is this, is this guy, this Red Dog 2, is, so is an American pilot who's going to help them out. Yes. Who is this guy? Is he like, a, is that an Air Force plane? Is that government property? Is this what? like a private citizen who owns his own jet? Like, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't understand what this deal, what this guy's doing. Hey, thank you for that. Is this a private citizen who owns his own attack jet? Right. But like, it must be one or the other. So I, I, who is this guy? So never... that's what I, what I couldn't piece together. Now, when I watched it, I couldn't see any U.S. Air Force markings. No, that's the thing I on it. But I didn't know if that was just because of you know budget that they couldn't they couldn't get you know a U.S. Air Force because I, I think all these planes are all these jets are like Philippines Air Force well, like they had exactly the Philippine government. But so it. I took it as no, that's supposed to be you know, from the United States Air Force. Yeah. So. I love how this this pilot just comes along. He's a, I mean, he's abandoned his duty. He'd be court-martialed, you know, at, at probably best. At worst, he'd be put on trial for, I don't know if it'd be treason, right. but, I mean, he'd be put on trial. And he's certainly AWOL with, with um, you know, millions of dollars of government property. Right, at, at best. And he is now engaging in military, you know. Right. He, he's engaging with a foreign government. Granted, it's a corrupt foreign government we've we've established, but just on a whim because... McBain served in you know in a division with his his dad, right? Back in Vietnam. Are, are you kidding me? I I do believe that the Colombian jets fired him first. So uh, they do, but he he is also com- coming up on them. Right. He's being very threatening. Exactly. There's 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 a, a plane entering Colombian airspace without permission, and then this jet is providing that plane cover. Like it's yes. a, yeah, obviously a very aggressive. Uh, they're violating. They're, they have every they're right violating, to, yeah. you know, national airspace with a with a fighter jet. Of the course, Colum- they're going to engage. The Colombian Air Force has every right to defend their own airspace. Yes. So it's, yeah, it's crazy. And so, what you effectively have, I, you know, when do I have to cover? You you get like a Top Gun sequence, and he takes some evasive maneuvers and and gets away from uh, from two missiles, yep. which collide with one another. He, he gets away with two missiles by just going straight up, straight up in the air, and I guess they run out of gas, or whatever. Which is, and then in that that is followed by easily thirty seconds of orgasmic grunting. <laughs> Did you notice that? Yes. This is the other one I want to play. Please do. Okay. I mean, it doesn't. It, you, 
Just listening to this, it's not gonna sound like anything else. Okay, he's... He's just evaded them. <laughs> it's all it's... I mean, without seeing the visuals... Okay, they've exploded. <laughs> I actually had not really thought about it. It's still going. <laughs> It goes on so long. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, I saw that. And one. it's totally unnecessary, too. Oh. Just a waste. You know, I mean. Okay, so uh, I forgot to to have th- those two pilots, by the way. They're, they're another two on the body count. Uh, yeah, they just fly in a straight line while he gets up behind them and shoots them. In the, like, they make no attempt to make any evasive no maneuvers. No evasive maneuvers. He just... The U.S. Air Force, hell from above, cannot be, can be not be stopped. So they are 85 right now. We're at on the body count. Yep. And then uh, meanwhile, Christina and her. Yep. Team. You cut. You cut back to the beach, and you get uh, more bodies. I got another five, seven, eleven, thirteen, fourteen. I can't believe at this point you still decided to keep going. I, I did I, my best. I gave up so far. So back. at 14, I now have, you have a death that's actually notable where I had to write down Juan, who was, um, I don't know if Juan was supposed to be related to Christina, but. Yeah, I don't know who, yeah. Did she have any kind of dialogue prior to this or any, was she established at all? Uh, you mean Juan? Yeah, Juan. He was, est- yeah, he was established in the village. Oh, wait, was it, was it a he? Yeah. The was, the, I, with the quiver, like the bows? Yeah, with the bows. I think it was a he, and I think the character's oh. name was Juan. I thought, because that scene, I, I, I thought it was a woman. But I, I, so you, It's very quick. I mean, yeah, she, you I mean, get that, is, and, just... and Juan is going to run towards a tank with, uh, with a grenade, put it down the, uh, the, 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 the tank's firing mechanism, right. and, uh, and blow up the tank. So that's one, and I didn't have a number of, but there had to be a few in the tank, so I, I gave that another three. Well, <laughs> I mean, he, he had plenty of time to get away. Yeah, he, he just, hang, just he hangs on the tank for dramatic effect. He does that dunk, like, who did the dunk? He put, he put it the elbow his, Yeah, his arm all the way through the hoop. Was it Vince Carter? Or yeah, it was his? Vince Sanity. Yes, he, he just hangs on the end of the cannon. That's a good, like, I, should, I wish I would have had that in my notes. He did the Vince Sanity on, on the tank. He dunks a grenade into the tank's cannon. So, 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 okay, but just real quick, who was Juan? So Juan was established before. Yes. In, in, in the village when Christina is going and rounding up um, and trying to, to, to get the wealth of the village, that, that same character is there. Okay. I, I did not remember. Him at all. So you got um, that was fourteen. Believe it or not, that took us to ninety nine. So Juan was an even one hundred. So that's another reason why I had him single out. And then I gave another six. I figured another six in the tank is what I said. So um, so I got it at, at hundred. Or no, I had three in the tank. Excuse me, and then another six that come right after that. So I've got it at hundred and nine right now. Jeez. Okay. And then Red Dog Two shows up and. Causes even more havoc than already is, is occurring because he basically single-handedly wins this battle. Yes, and for that, I didn't put a count because you don't really see anything. But all you get out of that is you get the commanding officer for the Colombian military flees the scene to... Uh, oh, that's right. Uh, I didn't... I, I, it, only, it took me a while to make the connection that he's the guy you see later uh, being uh, beaten with a baseball bat. Another uh, clear and present danger uh, connection to oh, me. Oh, yeah, that's true. With, with the baseball bat. Yeah, I guess so. 
Uh, but anyway, yeah, so our, our crew lands now that the airfield has been secured. The airfield's secured, so the first plane to come down is um, the Red Dog 2. Right. Next plane down is the Arms, and then the, the Heroes land their, uh, their little propeller plane last. And Red Dog 2 says that he would, uh, he'd like to, to like to stay and help. Yeah, I, I did not like this character at all. No, it made you, no, mo, no sense and not a good actor. He yet. just shows up at this point where we're almost two-thirds of the way through this movie. He's just like, I want to help. And then, like, he's the only one who gets any kind of... Later, he, he like, sacrifices himself. It's like, who are, even are you? We barely even have met you. Right. Uh, so it makes even less sense when you go back and think that the ten guys that were in McBain's, you know, in the POW camp with him... They have feel no connection, you know, are not sought out to help on this mission. But then just this this guy who's, I guess, a hired gun at, at best. Yeah, what does he even care? Who's commandeered a U.S. warplane. Why does he have any, you know, why, why does he have any connection to any of these people? He's going to volunteer. He believes in the Colombian people or something. Who knows? Uh, also, and then, yeah, when when McBain lands and they get out of the plane and Christina goes, the rebel army is awaiting your orders, sir. Awaiting McBain's orders? Yes. What? Why? This, Again, why is he the leader? Oh, I mean, this this kind of... Other than his name is on the... <laughs> right. This is the title of the movie. I mean, this is the kind of thing... It's This movie is so... Uh, I don't know what a gentle way to put this. American-centric, oh, yeah. put it that way. It's like, we're the Americans, oh, it's therefore annoying. we are in charge. It, guess what? I don't care how long you guys have been fighting... The four of us, we just got here. Guess what? You're gonna do what we what, say. Right, we're in charge. It's, it's. I mean, it's American arrogance. It, when one, yeah, it really a movie is. that really. Uh, this gives me an opportunity to highlight a movie that I really hate, American arrogance, and it's a movie that I hate by a director that I can't. Armageddon has such. Uh, but Michael Bay, it's uh, Bruce Willis, Steve Buscemi. Yeah. It's such American arrogance that the world is going to be destroyed by an asteroid, and guess what? The only ones that can that can act whatsoever other than acknowledging that there's a Russian space station that they may need. The only ones, the Americans are going to solve this problem. Do do you really think that that's how it would play out? Absolutely not. That is total American arrogance. But it's also like driller arrogance, whatever. Like they're drillers. Like you could all you can make that exact same argument saying like astronauts, they don't know what they're doing. We're to, we know how to drill and we're gonna go up and save right. the day. But like, my point is is right that the, the Americans come up with a plan. Who no, says that that's the best way is to get some oil rig guys to get up there and th- that's what my no, point I, is, is that no, the America this is our plan, we're gonna do it. Doesn't matter that if it fails, the entire world's destroyed, America is gonna solve the problem. No, I don't disagree. I'm just saying that like the the whole just the the notion of sending up those oil, oil drillers is so stupid. They just happen to be American, but to me, the part—the fact that they're American isn't the dumbest thing. Yeah. It's the fact that the, rather than sending experienced astronauts, no, they, they and training them how to drill a drill. <laughs> no, well, we have to train these drillers how to be astronauts. Yes. Like that's the more. I mean, it's so preposterous that I almost can't be upset at the the, the American part of it because I, you're right, but. It's Armageddon. Like <laughs> judging it based on that is like, is like you know. It's more of that. It's judging exam- Hitler's cat or something. <laughs> it's more of an example that this is the same thing. That you're right. You literally have an entire rebel army that has made just huge yeah. sacrifices. This and- movie you should be judged on this, those terms because it's egregious. Yeah, and it would be one thing too, right? If it was more of that the U.S. military that literally we had sent the U.S. military there, and and you had infrastructure, you had the the the, the um. 
the logistics of right. of managing a military force. Absolutely. But yeah. no, it's just four guys. Why are you putting him in charge? Right. Well, now five guys. Five, yeah, excuse me. It's now five guys, <laughs> not the, the restaurant chain. The but pilot has my own volunteers. Yeah, so anyway, uh, they call the, he, he calls them the, the dirty half dozen, which I'm going, you probably shouldn't be comparing yourselves to better movies. You, you shouldn't, but before that, I just wanted to get one thing. There's more, another music thing. Um, more more warplanes are coming now that the planes have landed, and they're coming in. So they have uh, oh, right, the they pilot to... turn on uh, Red Dog 2, Pilot Daily turns on his radar at exactly 16 minutes is what Walken wants, so that the planes are drawn in and they have surfaced air missiles. But what I wanted to highlight is if anybody ever watches it, the music that's used when they're luring the planes in and getting the surface air missiles, it sounded exactly like the music when Doc Brown is trying to harness the lightning on the clock tower. If you go back and listen to it, really, it almost sounds exactly like it. it, it the, the second half of it, it's probably only like 15 seconds. The first seven or eight seconds, I think it's exactly the music of Doc Brown when he's up on the clock tower. Is it that like the kind of like military march? Was it just like no? That stuff. I would I would almost try and get it. Okay, so it's when the planes are coming in. Yeah, try this. Just go go back a little bit. Yeah, I can already kind of hear it. Sixteen minutes. Light the candle. Switch on your radar. Run. Yes, sir. Oh, I hate that guy. This guy's the worst. Oh, yeah. Wait. Yeah, that's, that's what I was doing. That is Doc Brown. It is. Marty. Where's that kid? Yeah, you're, all, all right, you're so 100% I mean, right. Find a way to edit that, but I'm telling you, you have to highlight that. Because to me, I'm like, oh, my, I'm, I'm like I'm, I was waiting for the DeLorean to like come bombing through. Yeah, it's borderline litigious. Yes, like, uh, exactly. I uh, mean, isn't, don't, don't you think that's the exact same music? It's, it's very, I mean, it's, stylistically, it's very, very similar. I mean, it's, it's, it is borderline. So, yeah, so the, the surface-to-air missiles work flawlessly. And another two, the, the Colombian Air Force is really, really, really... Again, they don't try to evade. No. Nobody's been trained to evade in the Colombian Air Force. No, apparently they're just too too uh, too in bed with the drug cartel that they they don't they don't have any any money to to train their pilots to to take evasive actions. Yeah, and also I forgot about this scene where he's the the, the comedy. Uh, He's trying to instruct them on how to put yes, together the surface the manual. This movie must think that instructions are hilarious. He's trying to read the instructions of the plane. Now he's trying to read the instructions of putting together. Oh, the light's supposed to be on. My light's not going on. Ah, it's just like. I, this movie thinks it's really funny, but it's just... It is not. It's like, oh, come on, just get to the, them blowing up the plane. So, you, yeah, you highlighted the dirty half dozen. I also had that this was, I think, maybe the first camcorder selfie because they have a camcorder and want to take a picture of themselves. Like, who, who, who does that? And then yeah. walking like, awkwardly holds it out. It was just... It's a scene, to say yeah, the least. That's where he calls them the, the, the dirty half dozen. The dirty half dozen. Yeah. Also, there's, there's a line where... Uh, uh, What's his name? Michael Ironside drives up with a car, and Christopher Walken goes, "Where'd you get this car?" And Michael Ironside just shouts the most. Like I rewound it eight times. He's just like, <laughs> "What the hell is he saying?" I couldn't. I mean, I couldn't make it out either. It just sounds like you know, like bad. It sounds audio like, a Star, or like a Star Wars language or something. Yes, I don't even know what he says, but uh, it's it's, it's kind of hilarious. So now you get back to not for any particular reason. We go back to the president of the United States. Yeah, uh, and I, it, it, 
they went for comedy here, and I did laugh. The, the president's getting ready for some dinner, and he's trying to tie a bow tie, and he can't do it and goes with a clip-on. I, oh, I didn't notice that. It is. I'm, he switches it up and goes through a clip-on. Wow, I wish I would noticed it. Uh, it. It did make me laugh. And then That's he goes out and he, he takes a few questions from the media of what's going on um, down in Columbia. The question, I loved the exchange where the reporter says, do you want, do you want to do it? No, go you're, ahead. You're already, you're already laughing. I, yes. The reporter says, Mr. President, has the United States invaded Columbia? And he just goes, no. Yes. <laughs> the, the delivery... <laughs> I, I, what I, so in this entire, there's a lot of clear and present danger. There's a little bit more coming up here. Would I, you know, one of my movie ideas I'd like to see, I'd like to see a movie where, I don't know what the concept would be, but the president from Clear and Present Danger, who is that actor, that guy is the president of the United States. He's perfect. Donald Mofat. Yes. And this president, I'd, I'd like a movie where those two, maybe they're not both the president, maybe one is like the prime minister of the UK or something. I'd like it where these two are, are presidential-like figures and have a movie together. It's a wacky movie where they like tied in the Electoral College. And yeah. he, they had to be co-presidents. Co-presidents. They're sharing like, a bathroom and yes. stuff. And they like share part of the White House, and at some point, what they've drawn, you know, like the white <laughs> right. line. Where you, nope, this is my part of the White House. One president, two, two presidents. presidents. <laughs> yes. Oh, my medication. Because you're right. The way he delivers the line. No. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so just funny. Fantastic. It's really funny the way he says no. <laughs> like the least emphatic no in the history of presidential and he doesn't he doesn't elaborate on it at all no and well my line actually what i had in my notes is he handles and it's sarcastically but he handles the media like a pro because there's no follow no and that's it <laughs> yeah this president is i wouldn't instill a lot of confidence in me if he was my president that's for sure no um so you then after the after and again i'm not sure why all of a sudden you had this presidential us presidential scene but you did cut back to uh, El Presidente, and he is taking batting practice with the commanding officer who fled fled the scene. Yeah, and I, and again, that was um, uh, to me. I had another one. It's yet another clear and present danger that uh, a baseball bat is uh, a, a very effective uh, enforcement tool down in Colombia. Why did that guy even go back to like, report back? No, he I must mean, have known that he was going to be in trouble for yes, abandoning his. Nothing post. good could come from him going back and reporting in that he'd lost an airfield. Yeah, and this is the scene where we're introduced to two characters who I don't understand why they're in this movie. It's Hans and I don't know if we learned the other guy's name. I, I, I let's just say Franz. Hans yeah. and Franz. <laughs> I like Hans and Franz, but like they they, they show up and they're like. We're in charge. Like you, you do what we say. It's like, who are you? They, they never explain who these guys are. Well, I mean, I, I think it's they're they're somehow associated with the cartel. I yeah, it's I, implied. I, I think that they are yes supposed to be part of the Medellin cartel. But, but then why but are not they Pablo? But why are they German? <laughs> or at least so, why is Hans? Yeah, German? Hans did not make sense. The other guy made more sense. Hans did not did not make sense. I forget the other guy. Is, like, is, is he supposed to be Colombian or? Yeah, he, okay. I, I mean, he looks more. La- I don't know, uh, you know, what what nationality he is, but he 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 is not European. Hans is certainly Hans not. is definitely European. Yeah, not Colombian. I mean, he could have been in Die Hard. And this is where we get the, the stupid thing where like the guy's hanging from the ceiling fan. Hans rips him down from the ceiling fan. A perfectly good ceiling fan is destroyed, and then he throws the ceiling fan over the a railing. <laughs> And we're led to believe that the guy's dragged over the railing. Dragged over with just a ceiling fan. Like a 20-pound ceiling fan. So I add him to the body count. But <laughs> after those two pilots uh, and, and 
So that was 111. We're at 112. There was such a missed opportunity here for a pun. I I would have had, and I've had a few of these. Uh, Eraser had some. I was very disappointed. I, I would have had something along the line of uh, "I'm not a fan" or something, you know, right. to that nature. Completely missed opportunity. You you kill a guy with a ceiling fan. You need to work in a fan somehow on that kill. Yeah, something. I mean, if you're going to kill someone, death by fan. Yes. You, you need you need a one liner there. Okay, so then uh, then Hans always right because Hans takes some helicopters. And decides they're going to get revenge. Yeah, there's um, Christina's village. There, there's there's some back and forth between El Presidente. I, I, a really bad line, and I written down. I think I scared them pretty good. No, and then well, I don't remember if it's Hans or Franz. They're the most powerless, powerful people on <laughs> earth. Right. Talking about the United States. What does that line even mean? Yeah, I, I I guess the idea is like the United States can't just do whatever it wants. They have like. You know, have to follow like the, you know the, the Geneva Convention. Yeah, exactly to follow international law. So whereas Colombia just does whatever they feel like. Yeah, I, I assume that's what they mean. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess. And then um, Franz gives a gives another bad line to uh, the the uh, I send him flowers every day to a big White House where he's buried. <laughs> yes, right. I, I get it. Right, it's a mausoleum because the last president. Didn't didn't obey your orders and now he's dead. Thanks. Oh yeah, I mean, I send him flowers every day. I think we probably get the idea. I th- right, exactly. But yeah. it's, it's, it doesn't. It's not as bad as Eraser was. Right? No, it was only. I mean, this this movie this doesn't is, have a lot of dialogue. Period. This was probably the only one where it went one line. Definitely one line too many. Yeah, or maybe two or three lines too many. So then, yeah, uh, you get a couple of helicopters. You get one of the the villagers launches a pitchfork. <laughs> Tosses it in a helicopter. I'm not sure what that was trying to accomplish. I didn't notice that. I was. I think I was tuning out for a lot of this movie. I was really having a hard time focusing. I understand. So you you get a few more. I got another uh, six. So I'm at 117 because the choppers. Uh, Hans Hans kills some more people from the choppers. Yep. And then suddenly, coincidentally, McBain and the team are show like as soon as the helicopters leave, right. they show up. They show up, and the surgeon operates on the, the little girl, which. The whole thing of like, you need to operate her, you need to save her life, and the surgeon's like, "It's filthy out here; she'll get an infection. Do it anyway." And then he does. He so he he, he performs surgery on her, and like whatever clears up her windpipe, and they're just like, "Hooray, she's saved!" It's like, well, no, you just said she died from an infection. She, why are we assuming that she's going to be okay? Right, she's not out of the woods. It's a it's what a weird <laughs> scene, but whatever. So, yeah, McBain and, and the rest of them leave. There's another scene at the cantina where there's some uh, Colombian military that are questioning, which I, the only reason I highlight is they, he questions some local old guy who, you know, did, uh, besmudges the name of El Presidente and gets a beating. Yes. There's literally f- three or four white guys sitting right next to him who clearly would stick out. Why aren't you questioning them? Yeah, it's the, they're so conspicuous there. Like not even like, and they're like almost like they're like huddled together, like leaning in, like right? Leaning looking. in, it looks like they're scheming. Exactly, they might be revolutionaries. And this is where Ironside leaving bombs behind again. He strikes again. I did like this where he pretends to tie his shoe. Yes, he, he sneaks a bomb underneath. The sneaks jeep. a bomb. So I, I counted that the those two guys were in that jeep. You don't see it, but I counted them because I, I I think it's very strongly implied that they got in the jeep, drove off, and it blew up. Yeah. So that makes it 119. And then now, uh, all of a sudden, we're pretty much barreling in on the the finale. Like, yes, there, Christine and uh, and Kung Fu Joe are gonna take over the the 
broadcasting station. And then meanwhile, Mike Ironside has given McBain like a map of the uh, the palace. Yeah, so um, Christina, yeah, they, they are successful in taking over the TV station, which apparently there is only one, which may have been the case, I don't know. Yeah. And she uh, she's giving... She's giving her speech, and she's asking them to the the citizens of Colombia to to take back their country, turn off the water supply, turn off the power, or make it go dark. Which I had the League of Shadows <laughs> gets their test of uh, of turning off the water supply because once they turn off the water, apparently there's explosions that go when you when you turn off the the machines to the water supply. I don't know if you recognize that or not. At the water plant? Yes, at the water plant. There was, like, power things that were blowing up. I'm like, why? They just turned a few valves. Why are things blowing up? So I said, the League of Shadows, this must have been, like, their, their test run before attacking uh, Gotham. Somewhere there's a guy in, like, a building going, like, if that train makes it to the 34th <laughs> Street, the whole place is going to blow. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then, so you then also get the, the drug lords, Hans and Franz, are making their escape because they see that uh, change is a coming. That's the thing. Like these guys are in for like, they're in they're in this movie for such a short amount of time. They're they're in that one scene where like we run things. Han shoots a bunch of villagers, and then suddenly they're like, "We better get out of here." And then they get rounded up, and that's it. It's like there's they don't really accomplish much in this movie. I don't understand why they're there. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, her, uh, Christine's broadcast is being rebroadcast in America. At, uh, the whole world is watching is what I'm, I'm taking from this. Presumably. We only see Colombia and the United New States York. because it's being rebroadcast by United States Productions. Great. Oh, I missed that. It says United States Productions, Great American Television. <laughs> Just in case you didn't understand from the word United States that it was an American. They had to get the word American in, in there twice. I'm surprised that you know they just didn't assume that American television was great, that they had to add that, that it should have just been assumed if it was American television that it's of high quality. It's great American television. So again, they're just repeating the same, plays, the same plan as Santos, except this time they're turning off the water. Like, But still. Yes, and so Walken and or McBain, I, I should get that character name, and Pilot Daly are driving a big truck because apparently they need to knock down the presidential gate. And they have a bomb on it. And, of course, there's some gunfire. And they, they, McBain says, jump! And Pilot Day, no! Why is he so invested in this? It's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing that is so bizarre is this character has shown up halfway through. He has no emotional connection. He's the one that... The Sacrifices. screenwriter has this... Uh, James Glickenhaus has decided... This guy should be the one who sacrifices himself. Not the characters that have an emotional tie. Just some guy that you just met. A hired gun. Yeah, who was flying a plane. Uh, yeah, and the whole thing of just like, it couldn't, like, they shot out a tire or something. And so yeah. he, had, he had to stay in the truck to go straight. Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't like the character to begin with, so good you, riddance. You weren't sad to see him go. He good is riddance, number... pilot, pilot Daily. Yeah, so he does succeed in his mission. Uh, McBain jumps out. He succeeds in his mission, knocks down the gate, the uh, the gasoline, I think it was a gasoline truck, explodes, fire explosion, and he is number 120. Well, the, the truck explodes well after it's knocked out the gate, so they yes. didn't need that bomb on the truck at all. Just ramming a truck through the gate seemed like it would have been plenty. They didn't need to sacrifice one of their guys. No, and so now you get another sequence of just a ton. Uh, I can't I, even imagine. I can't believe you're, you're still... So I mean, I'm, I think there must be... Uh, the body count in this scene alone must be near 100. It probably is what I try to do is just the ones that I could see, okay. Because but there I, I know that this is a light count, 
because when you get later in the sequence, just the ones that I can see on the ground, I'm like, man, there, there's just it probably is a hundred. Yeah. But I got three, six, eight, twelve, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-seven. And that's when we get to the tank. So yeah, the, the, at least 27 that you can see. And this is the sequence that we were talking about before where to me it was mar- walking, clearly had a mark he needed to get. It. He just pops out, fires a couple of rounds, goes back behind the gate, yeah. pops out, fire. It doesn't seem like he's firing at anybody in particular. And the, the funny thing is there's such contrast between walking who does, clearly does not want to be there and all the extras – you know, these Philippines extras who seem so excited. They're just throwing themselves into this movie. <laughs> Hundreds of people. And they're just ah, shooting and running and like jumping. And they're carrying signs saying President Idiota. Uh, they're just, they are so into it. And just the, the contrast of walking, just I'm walking here. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Gun, 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 gun. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Take cover. Pull pin on grenade. Throw. Kaboom. Shoot, shoot, shoot. He couldn't care less. Uh, he is not invested at all. It's so strange why they went with Christopher Walken. I don't I mean, whatever. He's a name. I get it. But Christopher Walken's not an action hero. No, he's not an action hero at all. Uh, this, this ending sequence really underlines that. of just imagining anyone else. Imagining Arnold in the scene is like, this would be fun. I mean, it, it's basically Commando. It's really just, it's kind of the same movie. Yes, but not nearly as fun. Not as good, yeah. No. So, but in that, I did have, so we, we get up to, I'm at 147. 149, because uh, there, there's a couple more. But then I wanted, I had a side by side to see. All right, it's Ironside versus McBain because Ironside finally kind of like gets in on the action here. Yeah, they only give Ironside two. McBain uh, chalks up another six, so it was uh, it was a it was a three to one for that. That's why McBain is the star. He gets uh, six to two. So you're at 149 for, for the whole movie. He has six. That's no, a, well, just, no, just just, just this kind of sequence. Okay. Um, so you're at 149, 150, and then six. So you're at 157. That's the thing is, I wouldn't have been that surprised if uh, Christopher Walken only had six kills in this whole movie because he doesn't do much. As many kills that are are in this movie, all these kills are just nameless guys killing other nameless guys. Right. The whole movie is just, you know, faceless armies facing off. So they're continuing like they're advanced. They're getting closer and closer to the, to the palace. Um, um, and there's another three, six that I was able to count. And then you cut back to the, the president of the United States. And this is what I alluded to, that if this existed, this is what I'd want from this movie. In any reality, in any crazy fictional world, I, this is the, so unbelievable what happens here. And just unilaterally, the president makes the decision. Go ahead and say, I know you want to. You wanna... do it, because it just makes me laugh. <laughs> The president is so unprofessional, but I don't care. Unilaterally decides that we're going to press all new money, red, white, and blue money. It's so nonsensical. And all transactions over a certain amount, or like a thousand dollars or something, has to be converted to this new money, which I guess the movie is saying will stop the drug uh, trafficking. I, I, I. it basically, it'll make it somehow. It'll make red, white, and blue money will make it impossible for money to flow to the cartel. I don't understand it. It's bizarre. He just, and it, it like comes out of nowhere. It's not like there was like some scene earlier like setting There's up like no maybe we should. Up. And so, you know, my, my real job, as much as I would love this podcast to be my full-time career, it, uh, we're, we're not at the point where, where it is. My, you know, you should my, print our own red, white, and blue I was going to say, 
Total red, white, and blue money. Pun my, my real my day job is in banking, and you know every year we have to do anti money laundering training. Even though you know my job is is lending on you know real estate assets here in the United States, there there is some some reason for it. Uh, I've said two things. Now I have two things. One, those trainings that are online trainings that we have to take every year. If they would hire Bob Odenkirk and he would do the presentation he does to Jesse Pinkman in Breaking Bad. Because he actually does do a presentation very similar to the the three different stages of money laundering that you have to cover in the training. Hmm. I'm like, most people, when Saul lays it out of buying the nail salon, I'm like, people would actually remember and pay attention. I now have the even better anti-money laundering that is not a successful program, which is the President of the United States is just going to tell the Treasury Department, print new money. But the idea of they're going to recall all the old money, right? Isn't that the idea? Yes. Like, that it will no longer be accepted. Oh, my God. It's, I mean, is there any world in your, in your experience in the banking world, is there any like, reality where this makes sense? No, not at all. <laughs> I mean, any kind of rationale. Like, even in a cartoon world, if this was G.I. <laughs> Joe, you wouldn't believe it. Because the whole, the whole concept to me of, oh, you know, that trans- the transactions over $10,000 actually does make sense. And that's what the, the threshold is for banking transactions today that if there's cash transactions or if there's a bunch that are structured transactions that are just below so you go make one day a, a deposit of 9800 two days later do another 9800 right. it's very clear what you're trying to do the $10,000 does make sense but this concept that I don't understand so you're going to pull it all in or are you going to burn it and then are you saying that no drug transactions can take place in any other form of currency? Right. How is that going to stop? <laughs> because even in this... Currency is currency. Hans right? and Franz say, I'm glad I changed my, my, my money to Swiss francs. So the point is, is I, I, I'm not going to say that it would be, wouldn't it potentially have some impact short term. But wouldn't once the red, white, and blue money was up and running and was the new currency... You're not stemming any of the drug trade, right? Right, yeah. A bill so a bill. if they had any of their assets in in non-US physical currency, right. all they would do is they would start sending more drugs to the United States and get the red, white, and blue money, and they would they're 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 no worse for wear. It's totally nonsensical. And presumably you you know, everyone in the world, regardless of whether you're a US citizen or not, if you own if you have if you have American currency, currency, you would be able to exchange it for the new currency because, of course, that would be crazy if you couldn't. Right. So, no, and they say that if you can prove, if you have greater dollar amounts than this, and you can prove that it's been, you know, um, obtained through legal channels, you'll oh, have no that, problems exchanging it. Not, so, so at this point, basically, the, can you imagine the cost? The, 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 the cost and the logistical nightmare. They've just decided that they they are going to account for basically every penny in the in the. Right. Every U.S. dollar that exists in the world. I mean, and the thing is, is that they could have limited it a little bit more and made it more plausible and not changed that much by saying that it would have had to have only been high dollar. And I don't know if what in the 90s, if there was anything higher than a hundred dollar bill still in circulation. I don't remember anymore. would have to look it up. But, you know, say basically that because most of it would have been hundreds and fifties. And if there was a bigger dollar um, denomination still in circulation, that's what drug transactions would have been in because when you're physically moving currency, it's heavy. So it would have made sense if they would have at least limited the red, white, and blue money to the high. But they don't don't say that. No, all dollar amounts is being replaced with red, white, and blue. 
and just the fact that the president is able to just he can't he absolutely cannot there, uh, there is absolutely no way that is an act of congress that would be required it's like if you look at the president of Colombia beating people with baseball bats but in the end the most tyrannical move in the movie is the US president just unilaterally deciding no red white and blue bucks <laughs> red white and blue bucks and do you think like okay ones are white and fives are red and tens are blue or is each bill red white and blue I took it as each bill is going to be red, white, and blue. And now that you're saying it, you're right. He's it's such a tyrant move. I'm going to guess he would also replace the pictures and just put his picture, right. him and the pre- the picture of the president from Clear and Present Danger. He would also he'd get the small denomination. Mr. President, are you putting your face in all the bills? No, no. <laughs> Same no, no. Let's just answered everything. Oh, like this movie just gets so derailed. I couldn't even like. I was so distracted by this. The whole, like, we've been talking about this for, I don't know, for at least five minutes, maybe even longer. Meanwhile, the whole ending action sequence is going on. The whole time I'm sitting there going, I don't care about any of this anymore. The, the red, white, and blue dollars. How are they, how's this movie just glossing over that? <laughs> What's funny is you're right, we have spent a lot of time. But Meanwhile, I the, McBain storms his castle and kills right, the president. But I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I was trying to think through the ramifications. I'm like, wait a minute. Can you imagine what this means? And the movie, it's just, it's like an afterthought. It's just tacked on. Yeah, the president yeah. can do that. And in some ways, maybe it's because of the, you know, the current presidential campaign. But when I was watching, I'm like, this seems like a Donald yeah, Trump move. Tr- I mean, very it, Trump. I'm like, if Donald Trump could watch this, he probably, yep, I'm going to, I'm going to add that to my, my platform. I think that's a great idea. I think it's a fabulous Fabulous idea. Yeah, everyone loves my idea. Everyone, everyone tells me, uh, Donald, this is an amazing idea. Red, rain, blue dollars. <laughs> It'll revolutionize the economy. With my picture on it. Oh, yeah, it, it is very Trump. Um, so you're right. McBain storms the castle, saves the day. Yeah, to the point where he's like, that one guard is so terrified. I'm like, oh no, it's McBain. <laughs> oh my God, it's McBain. He's holding a vase for him. Right. That's what I love too, is McBain couldn't put the vase, because he, uh, nobody's going to have seen this movie. He needs to, somehow, for some reason, sneak through the vent. I do love him crashing through the ceiling. Crash through the ceiling. But so to get up into the ventilation shaft, he needs to get on a table, and there's a vase. But this table is massive. He could have just moved it to the side or put it in the ground. No, he gives it to this, this it to the, guy. The, 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 the guy guarding El Presidente, and the, and the guy holds it for McBain. Or just smashed it. Like, they're blowing up the entire country. <laughs> it he, doesn't matter. McBain doesn't want to break this vase. Uh, yeah, he crawls through a vent, crashes through a ceiling, and just guns down the president of Colombia. Yes. It's a political assassination, basically, is really what it comes down to. Yeah, and, and which could have Santos could have done like an hour an hour previously. Yep, saved everyone a lot of time. Uh, so El Presidente, I have, and so McBain stuffs the the two two halves of the hundred dollar bill on El Presidente. Right. Yeah. And uh, I have it. I think that I'm at one sixty four is what I think I have as the as the body count. So we'll see how that compares to IMDb. Well, uh, IMDb uh, lists the body count of this movie as two forty. It very well could be because they're probably making an estimate for like, you know, when Red Dog 2 comes in and is firing. Well, but the thing is like there's so many scenes where you'd have to pause, go, go frame by frame and look at way in the background and like it, it, it's impossible. a reason, the reason I gave up is just like there's no way to get an accurate count. Like it's, it's impossible. No. But IMDb has 240. Who knows who did that count or whether, you know. Right. Who, that could be completely Maybe off. it was the director himself. It's like who knows. Uh, but... Uh, Boy, so that's McBain. McBain, what a what a thing McBain is. So so overall, so this was our you know our, our occasional surprise. Are you are you glad that we did it? I'm glad we did a, a, an episode of full length. That, you know that was always the plan. I'm just like let's just do 
one or two movies in between yeah. during our break. But I'm not glad we did this movie. I mean, it was a funny idea, and I, I give you credit. Like, it's, when you get to the idea, like, that's really funny. This movie is unbelievably bad. It I, is. I, it's the worst movie we've... It's, it's worse than Batman and Robin. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's worse than Batman and Robin. I... It was a great idea. I'd like to say that... I, I had hoped that it would be better than it was. And there were a few things. I mean, I think we, we still had a good discussion and enough things to talk about. But it, it is really, really bad. And it's, there's no reason... In some ways, it's good to have this episode because there's no reason for anybody to seek this movie out. No, there's a reason it. why it, it's disappeared from the face of the earth. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was an independent, you know... Uh, the, we skipped it, but I had a note wait at the beginning saying no uh, studio like titles at all. It, doesn't, it just starts. like You, you know you're in, in for a good movie when... You know, there's Paramount, Warner Brothers, none of them were involved. No. Glickenhouse House Shapiro Productions. You're in for some quality entertainment. So, you know, made by a very small company, distributed by a very small company, you know, and was quickly forgotten. It was just made to be disposable. So it makes sense that you can't find it because yeah. the so, fact that anyone would watch it in 2016 is, is uh, you know, no, don't watch McBain. It's bad. It's really bad. There, Although I do, I do think uh, the MST3K guys. What are they? What's it called now? Riff tracks. I think they did a riff tracks on this. Really? Yeah. I haven't. Uh, obviously, I haven't. It's the first time I've seen this movie, so I haven't watched the riff tracks. But uh, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. So the the other takeaway for me is is that of um, who should be able to lay claim to the name McBain? It is clearly the McBain and the Simpsons because. Oh, the, yeah. The McBain and the Simpsons is a movie I'd want to watch. Oh, and look, when I was, yeah, I did some Google searches to do a little, try and do a little bit of research. You do a Google search for McBain, it's all Simpsons. Of course. Yeah. I mean, there's one, like, the Wikipedia page for this movie and the IMDb page for this movie. And then Simpsons, 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 Simpsons. Yeah. I, I, literally, the next thousand entries are Simpsons, so. Yeah, and, I don't, and the thing is, is, I don't know if the name McBain seems like an awesome name for an action hero yeah. because of the Simpsons or if it really is an awesome one, but I, I think it actually is. So I don't think this movie lived up to the potential that it could have been. Oh, and I think the, the, the movie has potential in like individual scenes. Like there are scenes that should be more fun than they are. You know, it's an, it's not a bad like idea for a movie. It's just poor execution. All right. So did, did you pick up any puns incidentally? Cause I did not. Nope. Did not, uh, did not see any puns. Just a lot of bodies and bad dialogue. Okay. So what was your count again? We'll, we'll, we'll go with your count. So my, uh, my final count, whether or not it was right, I had uh, 164. 164. It's still a lot. Even if uh, IMDb is right, it's still a ton. What's our, high, our, our, our top number right now is 53, so it's triple. Yes. Uh, eraser, I think, is our champ right now. Yep. So it's triple of Eraser. Uh, okay. Anyway, that's, that's the McBain. show. Yeah, absolutely. The next episode will be another uh, shorty. We'll be back to our half-hour episodes, but, uh, you know, I... I don't know. Uh, remains to be seen what the topic will be, but uh, tune in then. Until then, uh, you can follow us on Twitter uh, at Bad Punts Podcast. I'm going to make it a resolution to actually update the Twitter from time to time. So I, I, that's my promise to you, Mike, and to you, the listener. The Twitter. We need to do something with that Twitter. And uh, you can write us an email at uh, questions at bpamg.com. And uh, my job is to remind you, to, if you enjoy the show, Tell as many people as you can. 
and uh, like us or write a review on your podcast app of choice. You, you did that in a way that Santos did it. It's not like, please, tell your job is to tell as many people as you can. Take well, this half of a dollar bill. You are under an you're obligation. You're taking this. You are now obligated. Your life is now obligated I, 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 to BPAMG. I'm sure your heart was in the right place. But you, 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 you know. don't, don't order our listeners around. Fair enough. I'm, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, and then... Uh, yeah, we don't have a. We're not doing. Uh, we're we're going to save the uh, the uh, rules of a crisis situation for Arnold yes, episodes for, for the Arnold. So that's in, where it should be. So people, in case people people are expecting one, uh, we're, we're we're saving those. Those are those are too special to waste on on a really really mm, bad movie. Yeah, and nothing you can really learn from. Absolutely. But anyway, yeah, that's the episode. Thank you uh, for listening and tune in uh, next time. We will have a another uh, break episode, a shorter episode. We'll be back with a full episode very soon. See you then. Thanks. Thanks.